Welcome to day one of the I Am Talk 2014 Kona Super Specials with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. Radio team, welcome along to day one of the Kona Super Specials 2014. It's all night, Donkey Kong, Jombo. It's good. It's good to have you here, Bevan. Good to have a bit of excitement in the room. Well, I've already blocked the toilet. Yeah. And apparently you have as well. And you're unblocking it this time. No, that's why we papers this rock last time, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> Phil and Nader hasn't blocked it, have you, Phil? Actually, no. why don't you just use Phil's? Has Phil got his own toilet? Yeah. Yeah, don't use one. What do you mean you got your own toilet? How the heck have we got the better room? Well, because otherwise you and I are in double bed and I didn't fancy that. Hey, man, we're mates. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we, could, we could hug up. Yeah, spoon. <laughs> Just don't get too excited. Yeah. Team, the Kona I Am Talk Super Special is proudly brought to you by... Endurance Sport Travel. These guys are absolutely awesome. If you're looking to go around the world and do an Ironman race, you can't go wrong with going Endurance Sports Travel. In Lava Java. And uh, when you get to Kona, when you've done all that hard work, who cares about the race? Go straight to Lava Java. And Bevan's going to help out by Kona Bike Works. They've been great looking after me and getting a bike for race day. So, guys, if you're ever in Kona need some bike works done, go to Kona Bike Works. Okay, Jombo. So, day one, I'm loving this. This, this is the best ever Kona Super Special period ever. because you, You've kicked off and you haven't got to do a lot. I will turn up. And uh, normally what happens is we turn up, we get off the plane, and we're, it's on, isn't it? And we're straight to usually the Team Kiwi breakfast yep. this year. It's an afternoon they've, tea. They've moved it for me. Yes. Which was very nice for them. And then we then go, you know, it's just a full-on day. Mm. Like that for the next three or four days of our life, probably five days. This year, I've been here for a week. It's already done. How many interviews have you done? Probably about seven or eight or so. So basically, I'm just going to do this bit, go down by the pool. Yeah. Yeah, for the rest of the day. Yeah. I've got you quite. back. I've got you back. He's, he's done well. So anyway, so basically, we're gonna, we've got a few interviews coming up. So who have we got on this today's show? They're pretty, they're pretty bloody good interviews, and they're, they're going to be some mega shows over the next few days. So first up um, today, we're going to have Magnus Backstead, which is a great interview. Uh, the guy is a... Demon cyclist. So tell, maybe for those who don't know about him, what, what's the history? He's won two stages of Tour de France. Um, he has won Paris Nice uh, and just you know, a long time professional, always on the top pro teams, often in breakaways and just a bit of a Springs Classic specialist as well. Yep. But, you know. Not not a GC rider in the tour or anything, but uh, in stage single stage races and day races and stuff, he was he was a business. So. And how long has he been doing Ironman for? This I think will be his third, fourth, third or fourth racing so as an age trooper. Yeah, so he's done. He did Sweden, qualified in Wales last year, and did Lanzarote this year as well. Okay, uh, then we've got we will have Lindsay Corbin on the show as well. So you know she finished. I haven't got it in front of me actually. She, I think she was maybe tenth last year. Yep. Now she's usually a top tenner and won plenty of Ironmans around the world. Went eight fifty two in. It was 8.42, maybe it was 8.42, I think wow. it was 8.42 in Austria this year, so that's smoking fast. We've got Marino van Holnacker, who I've wanted to have on the show for a long time, and he's, you know, had his challenges getting here this year, you know, had to go and do a few extra races and what have you, but he's, you know, he's been on the podium here, so... Have you done all of these already? All of these. Oh, my days of pizza yeah. pie! Uh, we had the lovely Caitlin Snow around here a couple of nights oh, ago, and she's a good chick, and she is a... Fast runner, so she's run two fifty three in Kona, wow, uh, and two fifty two in France. So she is a beast on the run. And then I think we'll probably throw in James Carnamar as well, who is was fourth last year. Have you Kona. done tomorrow's ones as well? I've done 
Yeah, I have done most of tomorrow's oh, ones. Oh, well. seriously, I'm going down to the pool. You want to come to the pool? To the pool? Yeah, yep. I've done yeah, tomorrow. So tomorrow, got Jody Swallow done that. Joe Gamble's done that. Had a quick chat with Belinda Granger. Done that, and then the rest. You had a quick chat. Yeah, <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on. Let's be honest here. It was uh, a bit of a Brett Sutton one. You say, right, ready, go, and yep. kick back and relax. Just ten minutes or so. Belinda, she's not racing. She's but great. Always got a bit of good insight. Um, so we've done part of tomorrow. Is Belinda going to race age group? Right when she gives up pro, you have to listen tomorrow's show. Tomorrow's oh, show. You, you address that question, dude. That's good. So, Jumbo. So, before we kind of start chucking the interviews in, um, you know, like it's been an interesting. I might experience. actually hold James Canaan over till tomorrow. You think? Yeah. How long are those other interviews? All those other ones are thirty minutes long. So okay, it's we'll hold two, hours, two yeah. hours. Two Look forward to James Canaan tomorrow. Yep. So the question I have, John, is normally we we turn up. You know, today, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Kona time, and we kind of get into it and get it. You know, it's very much us kind of getting a feel for the event and all the rest of it. Whereas this time, you've been here since when? Tuesday. I've been here a week. Okay. And what's been the experience, you know, being here that little bit earlier and, you know, being an athlete in comparison to, you know, when we're doing media work? We had pretty few, pretty big days training. Uh, we did, I did 21 hours training last week. So we got off the plane. Day one, um, we did. About two hours forty-five on the bike. How long we run for, Phil? About forty-five minutes. Forty-five minutes, and had a swim as well. Um, that was arriving that day. You know, we didn't check in until about eleven or so, uh, and then we had you know big days following on from that. So I think the one thing I'd say is is it's everybody seems to be saying people are arriving earlier and earlier. So it wasn't crazy crowded in those first few days, but from what most people say, um, most people seem to be arriving, and everything seems to be kicking off a day or two earlier than what it has in the past. So, but when like when was you know you've been here since Tuesday, like you've been here a week already. Was there a day where you thought, oh no, there's definitely more people here? Yeah, Friday, Saturday, really, so, so the yeah, weekend because they had that swim on Saturday, the swim the course race, yep. and uh, so I guess a lot of people would have maybe taken Friday off work. The Americans flown over, got in Friday or got in. Saturday. Did they uh, make that event an event that's um, oh wow that map comes out at you? Yeah, <laughs> just saw that map behind you. My kids loved that because yeah, three D map. My kids loved it because they they got to see that every time I skyped them. Yeah. Um. So so the question I had was the race they have on the Saturday. Is that F- filled with the race? But is it really competitive or is it more just fun? Get it done. Uh, like, do, are there some people trying to win it. I think I think last year Pete Jacobs won it. Some dude swam out in forty eight minutes. I think this year, so he must have been pretty decent. Yeah. Um. But I don't think it was crazy competitive, but you know, it was a good simulation for, for people that wanted to do that. Um, the course is already laid out, so I think for a lot of people who have got confidence in their swim, um, they just sort of go out and swim the course. But for people who want to have a, you know, don't get to draft or don't get to do race starts, then it was, it was a good opportunity, but it was 35 bucks, I'm a cheap ass, so... <laughs> Never knew that about you, to be honest. Yep. I never knew that. The other question I have, then I've just chucking lots of questions at you. Is there any inside goss so far? You know, because normally we, we get behind the scenes a little bit, we get some inside um, goss. The thing that's surprising me is nobody's really got a favourite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this year is different. Guys like, yeah. nobody, you know, nobody's talking up Freddie Van Laird, um, and nobody's really talking up anybody on the guys' things. Everybody thinks, oh, what's Jan Fredino going to do? Yep. But I think the main thing on the guys' side of things, nobody's really talking about it, and nobody's got any confidence, oh, he's going to win it, he's going to win it. It's like, mm, well, We talked about this a, a couple weeks ago, didn't we, where traditionally what happens is we're all a bit kind of narrow-minded when it comes to our picks because we kind of just look to last year's winners mm. and in the last period of time there's always been these kind of four or five guys whereas this year oh, I'm, I'm, one of my things I'll do before tomorrow I'm going to try to pick how many guys are on the list that I think have got a genuine chance of doing it and I think I did that last year I don't think I had Freddie Van Leer on there Yeah, but I think I, as you said I had five last year this yeah. year I reckon I'll have 10 to, 10 to 15 guys that could potentially win the race and so likewise on the girls not 10 to 15 girls but there's probably 
Oh, the girls are a bit more seven traditional, or eight, isn't it? Seven you or eight know, girls. There are other names that we know will probably mm. be there, aren't there? Mm. Um, any other goss? Uh, Phil's a good roommate. He, he um, makes me some cleaner than when I'm Still here. hasn't cleaned my bike yet, um, so waiting on that one. Did clean my chain. Did clean my chain? Did you yeah. clean his chain? It was, it was already pretty clean. <laughs> we got hammered on the first day by rain. Oh, and, did you? and we're talking serious monsoon sort of rain, so the bikes did need a little uh, little shakedown after that one. Um, but no, I think we'll just uh, divulge some of the other gossip as we sort of go through the week. But no, nothing too major. If people want to follow the training I've been doing go to coachjohnproject2014.com and I've got a few things up there and Joycey's been listening and uh, she said so you think you're going to beat all the girls do you? Oh really? <laughs> I said yeah <laughs> we'll see <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't look convinced she's going to rub it in when you don't beat her right? Yeah. Hey, well, Joycey how's she feeling this so year? She said, she said drinks are on me and I said yeah I'm happy to pay for the drinks and we go to the uh, Hugo's after party is it Hugo's is it? yeah nice. if, it's, if it's on there yep okay okay guys so we're going to get straight into the interview so first up we've got Magnus here is right now okay guys this is my first interview from Kona and we have the 1992 Swedish National Junior Individual Time Trial Cycling Champion with us Magnus Beck said welcome along to the show thank you very much so that must have been the highlight of your career yeah pretty much obviously (laughs) (laughs) so guys that don't know Magnus he is uh, hopefully I get some of my facts here right he's Won two stages of the Tour de France, also won uh, Paris-Roubaix and got a whole other bunch of achievements in there um, from some of the major cycling races, but he has switched his hand to triathlons. So, yeah, I guess the question we want to know and most of the audience is what the hell are you doing tri- at triathlon after such a long, successful tr- um, cycling career? Well, it, it kind of started out as, um, you know, I, I needed something to do to keep myself fit and, and uh, you know, just fit and healthy really and yeah i've always admired the uh the ironman triathletes you know the top end guys are pretty pretty good good athletes yeah. um you know you take take them in you know, any individual discipline and, and chuck them in you know and they, they, they hold their own on the bike and mm. they certainly can run and all the rest of it so i thought um you know it's something that i've always said i'm, I'm gonna do at least one but when i when i finish my cycling career and mm. um i was looking around just trying to find out what to do next and find something that was going to keep me motivated to get out there and train and and stay fit because mm. um, you know going out training without actually having a target towards you know to train towards is uh, is a bit like going to work without getting paid <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. one, no one's ever going to do it and certainly not if you've had a, a past as a as a professional athlete so uh, you know this this kind of I had an opportunity um, you know a couple of uh, my sort of former sponsors decided to back me on on uh, help me out oh, with, nice. with equipment and all the rest of it and uh, you know I thought okay let's jump in a pool see if I can swim half tidy and yeah um, it showed that I at least had something to work with and um, I knew I could run okay from from the past well, we're talking back 93 90, yeah, 92 yeah. 93 when I was still doing downhill skiing we ran an awful lot back then and yeah. um, I thought okay let's uh, let's give it a go two year plan first year basically train for eight months and then uh, do uh, Ironman Sweden Kalmar mm-hmm. um, which you know was a bit of a bit of a wake-up call really mm-hmm. uh, three weeks later I went to uh, went to Ironman Wales and uh, and qualified for for Kona and um, nice. I mean here we are nice so so um you know people like myself and Phil we've done bike races at our sort of level and we sort of ride Phil got at a higher level than me but sort of a b grade and it's just that it get in there and get stuck in and it's pretty hard but can you maybe try to contrast for us um what doing say a triathlon is like maybe a half to, to, to a full Ironman 
compared to say maybe a classics race or something like that in terms of the the demands on your body and and how hard it is and how how, how the differences between try and, and bike racing well, I think uh, the the number one issue is is obviously the run, whether it's a half marathon or a marathon. You end up uh, doing a lot more muscle damage to to yourself than what you do on a bike. You know, a bike there's no impact, obviously, unless you come off. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, it's, it's low impact sport, so you can certainly do a lot more uh, on you know consecutive days than what you can in in uh, in Ironmans or or, yeah. or any triathlon really. Um, so that that's been the biggest kind of wake up and and sort of understanding what I can actually push. My body to do and i'm still learning an awful lot mm. about that and probably a bit over keen in terms of when it comes to the running but mm. if we if we compare the two sports um engine wise i mean heart and lungs um all the rmas that i've done so far i wake up next morning i'm good to go again but mm. uh, obviously the muscle damage from the run it, it does take a bit of time to recover from that and mm. uh, that's something that obviously in the past i haven't i haven't had to deal with because yeah you wait yeah you wake up with with sore legs from a bike ride, there's, there's no doubt about it. If you're doing a 260, 270k classic, yeah, um, you're certainly gonna feel it the next morning. There's no doubt about it. But if if you if your boss asks you to go back out and and do it again, um, the first 45 minutes to an hour on the bike are, are certainly difficult, and and you know you, you can feel that you're not pedaling normal. Mm. Uh, but then you kind of ride your way into it, and and you're fine again. But um, if someone asks you to do another Ironman a day after, um, <laughs> after after you've already done one, I, I don't think you, any anyone at any level are going to be able to sort of pull that off in a yeah. in a good way. Yeah. So, uh, how, I mean, if I if I watch a classics race, I'm thinking it is incredibly difficult towards the end. You know, the, the finale. But how hard is it all the way? You know, those long ones that are say 250 k's. How hard are you going through the day or is it really just building towards a finish? I mean, the, the, the first hour of any bike race is, is complete carnage. <laughs> you know, everyone is trying to make it into the brakes and you're trying to sort of cover, you know, with your teammates, obviously. So the, the pace is incredibly high. I mean, you're, you're looking at well over 30 mile an hour for, for the first sort of hour and hour and a bit. Mm. Uh, some days, obviously, it takes longer before the brake goes. Other days, the brake goes a kilometre zero and, and, and you, can, you can kind of sit in and, and chill out. Um, but if I look at the average power output on on a on a, a, a classic mm-hmm. uh, compared to, to what I do on a, on an Ironman, I, I end up on pretty much uh, equal, right. uh, maybe a little bit higher actually on on, on an Ironman course than mm. I would on uh, on 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 a bike race. Obviously, you haven't got the spikes of, yeah, of yeah. power outputs that you you have to do to to follow attacks or um, you know you, you're smashing up a climb and and obviously though all of a sudden you're looking at very big numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's been an interesting change um for me as a bike rider to to go in and, and to sort of try and just hold a flat line power output for for 180 kilometers mm. uh compared to what what i used to and uh it, when i go out training with uh, with my mates back uh, back home now who are bike riders um i kill them all day long yeah. as long as long as the, the, you know we don't ask to to sort of put any bigger numbers out because uh, i struggle with those ones now and yeah. it's just completely changed me for you know my, my, my physiology so where are you based now because i know you're um you're, you're, i think you're based in wales yeah I yeah. Am, yeah so just, why, just why outside wales? of cardiff um my wife is from from wales and right. um you know we we moved around europe for for a while and then when we had our second daughter we decided to um, move somewhere where we had a bit of ground service you know um grandparents around and, mm. and that sort of thing and we 
me traveling an awful lot and uh, both both then and and now you know with my commentary and and mm. still racing and training for for the Ironman um it just seemed like the the, the sort of best place was closer to to central Europe and uh that's why we ended up there not in Sweden nice um so maybe tell us a bit about how your training changes um I guess when you're professional bike rider it's going to be pretty full on and now you're amateur but it may still be really full on but um in terms of what i don't know a lot about how much bike riders train so maybe tell us a bit when you're a pro cyclist what you're sort of doing what sort of hours versus what you're doing now and whether what you're doing now is restricted a bit because of family and, and life and stuff um well to start off with i i when i go in to do something uh, I, I apply 100 percent. so i'm still training pretty much as a full-time um triathlete um yeah, yeah it, it does have certain restrictions with um with my commentary work and stuff like that i can't certain weeks i can't put the big hours in on the bike that i would like to do but um you know it, you just have to to be a bit cute with how you, yeah. you plan your training um, so back back when I was racing, I, I I tended to sort of do about 25 hours on the bike, maybe a little bit more on certain training okay. camps and so on. Um, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. No, I mean you went up to was 30 hours on on certain yeah. training camps, but certainly not a lot above that really. Um, but it was a lot of high intensity, even mm. the six hour ride, seven hour rides that you did back then. It was always you know a six hour ride. I used to do four 20 minute um, functional threshold. Um, yeah. uh, efforts mm. um and certain days you went out and you did four hours and and you had um you know 10 five minute efforts at vo2 and and then a couple of hours chilled and then you you ended up finishing that 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 right off with another couple of max one minute efforts or, or something mm. like that whereas now a lot of it okay the 20 minute efforts i'll still do them an awful lot yeah um but um it's a completely different type of of 20 minute um effort back back in back in the day you know we're looking at i was sitting on well over 500 watts for 20 minutes yeah um that's come down a little bit because of obviously how i ride my bike now and and uh, what's required um and yeah i have lost a little bit of the top end power that i used to have mm. um but people you know, want to know what's your ftp now 480 480 so, so is that based off a 20 minute time trial yeah 20 yeah. minute tc on yeah so, so Jens Voigt, what, what did Jens Voigt hold the other day? Was it 412? 412, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he's obviously a bit smaller than you. He's a bit smaller, a bit lighter, but, you know, <laughs> still, he's still a still powerful man, definitely. Still, still a solid. <laughs> did you, you, I presume you never tried an hour, hour TT? Um, I, I actually did the, an, a Derny-paced hour record attempt. Yeah. Um, didn't work out as well as I'd hoped, but, um, you know, I did that. And then we did some testing to do the athlete's um, hour record on, on a standard bike with standard wheels and all that. And... Unfortunately, I couldn't get myself aerodynamic enough on on one of those bikes to to actually right. make my numbers correlate to to, to a good speed, and yeah. uh, we, we kind of abandoned that idea yeah. quite quickly. But so, um, so a Dooney one is that the Dooney for an hour in front of you? Yeah. And do you just tell them how fast to go? You just basically you preset a, a sort of a lap time that you want to hit every time, and yeah. and uh, then you basically just go on that. And you got yeah. your coach walking the line, a bit like you like what you yeah. saw on tell with Gen Z. Um, the only difference is that you're traveling at you know 65, 70 kilometers an hour rather than <laughs> um, just nice. over fifty. <laughs> nice. Um, so in terms of your the races you've done, um, you, you said uh, Sweden didn't, was not. Uh, your greatest ever performance. Um, tell us about Lanzarote and, and how that went compared to how you thought it might go. 
Well, um, Lanzarote was um, okay. I, I swam relatively well, mm-hmm. um, got out of the water and, and did the first part of the bike course and I felt felt okay. But then I sort of, something wasn't, wasn't quite 100% on the bike. I just felt I was a little bit low on the um, on the normalized power output. And yeah. uh, I still rode a 459 um, yeah, over mm. there, which I think was the third fastest bike split, which is yeah. you know good enough. I had a bit of a mechanical half um, as we went around the uh, Mirador del Rio. Yeah. Um, so, you know that's still acceptable as far as as far as I'm concerned. Started running and I was I was on for about a 315 marathon. Yeah. Um, and ended up battling with cramp the last 10 <laughs> kilometers. Hence why I ended up on a 335. But yeah. Um, you know, looking back at that, all all in all, I think I'm I'm pretty pretty happy with uh, with with how that day went, yeah. and um, you know, just still learning an awful lot every time I can pin a number on, and yeah. I've done a couple of shorter distances as well, Olympic Plus in 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 London, um, yeah. did a it's supposed to be a half Ironman distance up in Sweden as well, uh, yeah. which turned into be a duathlon, and oh. um, you know, they they sort of it's it's coming together, but it's um, I think. This two-year plan to to really pull out a, a top-end performance here in Kona um, yeah. is borderline short. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, we'll have to wait and see what happens on the day on that. Do you one. know this dude Colum or not? Who's uh, setting all the bloody things on fire at uh, seventy point three, and everybody thinks he's going to spank it over here. I do know him, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's a different different game when you're doing a half. A seventy point three is yeah. uh, is is a completely different uh, different type of race, and uh, yeah. I think um, when you come out to Kona as well, the heat, the humidity, all that kind of, all those factors are starting to play into it completely different to to what you have to deal with, uh, you know, anywhere else really. And and certainly if you're going to do the double the distance, that's really going to start hitting you. So that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> um, so your, your expectations of the day, um, if you talk about this two-year plan, what were your expectations when, when you said that? I, I, I saw some posts that you might have done that you want to go out there and spank it. Is it still... Um, um, your expectations and what are you hoping to achieve out there? Well, I never, I never rock up at a start line of any any competition, any race without having the thought of of winning it in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's always that's always going to be difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that might be an unrealistic um, sort of target to go for. But at the same time, unless I put those kind of targets up for myself, I just don't go deep enough and hard enough in, in yeah. training. So it's kind of setting the stall out there and 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 really going, okay, I'm I'm really going to have to work here now. If I'm going to yeah. get anywhere near that, then um, you know, yeah, I'm I'm going to push it. So last couple of weeks could have gone better in terms of preparation. I ended up with a, um, on antibiotics for a sore throat, a bit yeah. too much commentary and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, about a week and a half before we, we left to come out here um, and got a bit of a niggling cough um, injury. So I'm, I'm having to hold back on the running at the, at the moment as well. So with that said, um, who knows? I mean, if everything goes, goes, goes well and, and comes together, then I should definitely be up there. It's a plan. Just, uh, just, just look out for it. What's my number, Phil? My sixteen oh sixteen oh six, sixteen oh five, something like that. Just, just look out. Um, do, do you think, you know, for you, say you and and Colum and stuff, do you think you realistically can ride about the same as the the pro guys over here? Um, 
it's always been difficult to ride, certainly all the RMLs that I've done so far, to ride um, equal to the pro guys. Mm. Um, mainly because they get out of the water in, in, in a pack. Yeah. They get onto the bike in a pack. And, you know, as well as I do, if you sit in 10 meters off, mm. off the front wheel of the guy in, in front of you, as, as the rule state, mm. um, certainly I'm able to, uh, to get quite a nice draft of, of, yeah. off the back of that. Um, and when I did my first ever event down in, um, in Abu Dhabi, um, I punctured just as I passed the, the first age grouper on the bike. So mm. I stopped, changed that and got back on and caught the guy again that, that was, mm. that was running, um, front, front, front man in that race. And I thought, I'll just sit here for a bit and see what, what's what. Yeah. And I was surprised. I actually had to get out of the tri position and yeah. sit up to actually get some wind break <laughs> yeah. to, to sort of hold myself back off his wheel. And I went, Oh, that, that was a lot more a lot more drafting than than what i actually yeah. uh, anticipated so with that said um i'm usually getting out of the water you know a little bit later phil i think he's, he's coming out with you out of the water hang on um, and <laughs> <laughs> and that, that and that means that i'm having to to push an awful lot of wind to to sort of catch yeah. on to the faster swimmers and and basically i'm ending up riding the whole the whole raising the wind on my own. Mm. Um, but all the bike rides that I've done so far, they've been in the ballpark with the pros, uh, yeah. with the fastest pros. I mean, Lance Rost, I was third fastest. Yeah. Um, Sweden, I was think I was, yeah, fourth, fifth uh, in terms of, uh, you know, speed on the bike. Um, Wales, I can't remember where I was. It wasn't, it wasn't my best bike ride ever, but mm. um, it certainly competitive. Cool. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens on... So t tell us a bit about um, Team Free Speed and, and any of your other sponsors that um, that you're working with. Well, Team Free Speed, um, they they called me up uh, in the beginning of the year and and um, you know wanted to see whether I was uh, interested in, in sort of joining forces with them and you know it's it's been it's been great to be part of of that whole setup and that team and certainly all the the knowledge that those guys have coming into uh, to, to Kona and, mm. and tapping into all of those little little tips and and uh, just just understanding a, a bit more what's what really mm. um, also when I'm down in London commentating then they're right on the doorstep so yeah. been able to go swimming with them and, and going for the old bike ride and and uh, go, go running as well so um, it's certainly been great and they, they obviously got a, got a, a lineup of good sponsors there as well so yeah. um, but from for me personally uh, Bianchi have come on board and, and um, you know I've been working with them for, for years and, and yeah. uh, obviously one pair of bay on a Bianchi bike as well so yeah. when they heard I was going to do this they really wanted to be part of it Yeah. Um, but Cycle Europe who own the Bianchi uh, well they're basically the umbrella company for, for an, 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 a whole load of different brands they started up a part and accessories range as well which is called Tech yeah. um, and I've been been helping them out uh, developing that them those products and testing them and basically Cool. getting out there road testing them so uh, wheels uh, helmets everything you can imagine um that that's kind of been part of what i've done with with my uh triathlon as well so cool. um and then uh, the guys down from from down under um brian taylor um who uh, has got info crank verve cycling yeah. um been working with them as well since uh, early early doors this this year and um 
you know, in terms of power meter, I, I don't think I can get much uh, much more accurate information coming out of that. So cool. that's really been interesting, and certainly with you know bilateral power as well to to understand and to see what what damage the run does to me when I get out on the bike the next day. And mm. um, for some reason, my left leg always trails a little bit the day after a big run. Mm. Um, but because I'm aware of it, I can sort of make those mu muscles start firing and, and, and sort of get back up to speed again. And within 15, 20 minutes, I'm back up to where I usually uh, ride. And mm. uh, it's, it, I think it's, it's been a big help in terms of injury prevention as well and, and making sure that I'm not riding slightly lopsided, putting more pressure on my right leg or mm. anything like that. So, um, you know, a big, got to say a big thanks to, to, to Brian for, uh, for working with me. And uh, obviously I think it's been, been good for, for, for Verve as well to, yeah. uh, to have me and, and the data and the feedback and all that. Nice. <clears throat> so, um, excuse me. <clears throat> um, what was the other one I was going to ask before I go on to a couple of other cycling things? Um, It'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. I'm sure it will. Um, so I, I'm intrigued. Well, no, that's right. You, were, you were, just before we started, you were saying to Phil and I um, about the, the gear ratios you're looking at pushing out here, and you had a, uh, a 58 tooth chainring. So maybe just some of the guys will love to hear just some of the stuff you've been playing around with, trying to figure out what gear ratios you're going to use. Yeah, I mean, I brought a couple of different setups with me out here because obviously I'm not, I've never been on the island before, and um, I kind of need to understand a little bit what the winds are doing and and what kind of what how difficult the course is. And uh, I mean, certainly coming off Hawaii and coming back, um, you know, you got if if the wind is favourable, then then you know you're going to hit well over 80 kilometres an hour. Um, and if you can hold that for a little bit, a little bit longer, then um, I think that's going to really help you an awful lot. Uh, so hence why I brought the 58 tooth chainring with me too to try that. Uh, the way the wind has been the last couple of days now, though, I think I think that's a little bit um, optimistic to ride that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to do another couple of tests and see, maybe put a, a 48 tooth in a chain ring on so I can mm -hmm. basically climb all the way out to Hawaii on, on, on the little ring and then use the big the big dog on the way back. <laughs> back to <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, nice. But yeah, I, today I went out on the 55 and, and that seemed like uh, like a good gear to ride out here, from, certainly with the winds that we've had so far. Yeah. So I've got to, got to ask a few cycling questions. Um, I, I think I was watching 2004 the other day. It was the year they had the Alpe d'Huez time trial. Um, and just seeing the crowds was just mental in terms of... I, I've done Challenge Rote and, and the crowds there were pretty mental. Um, but how the hell do you concentrate when you're going through you know, a climb? I know on the big climbs you probably weren't in contention in those days but certainly not in, in terms of maybe you know maybe some of the other stages where the crowds are mental how the hell do you a not crash and b just say stay concentrated and what's it like in there well i, th I think you've got to flip that around really unless you stay concentrated you end up um, coming down and, and and hurting yourself and um i think that's why we're seeing so many more crashes nowadays than, than what we used to and, and a lot of them are reasonably bad ones as well um, it's just so many more people now over the last um, five, six, seven years really that come out and watch the Tour de France it's just gone so much more cycling is just so much more popular nowadays mm. um, but you know, it's the first time you ride a Tour de France, you, you you get a bit sort of taken back by how many people are on the on the roadside, and 
um, people that sort of look the wrong directions, people with uh, push chairs and, and uh, you know, wheelchairs and there's all sorts of dogs and whatever yeah. you could, po anything you could possibly think of to bring, yeah. that people could pot potentially bring with them to a bike race that they end up taking out there. Yeah. And then they stand on the road and realize that, hang on a minute, we're not going to move because we obviously use every millimeter that we can of the road. And yeah. um when they sort of back away, then a lot of the times they leave the push chair sticking out in the road yeah. and, and uh, it, it is dangerous and it is very difficult, but uh, it's something that you kind of grow into quite quickly. And I certainly mm -hmm. did my first ever tour and um, after that, it kind of becomes the norm and mm -hmm. it's almost, when, when you come away from the Tour de France you, you, or, or the Giro or the Vuelta, you, you, kind, of, you kind of miss it. Mm. Um, it, it feels weird because no, you know, you haven't got those sort of huge crowds lining the roads, and mm. um, certainly so, some days they they do spur you on, and um, mm. most of the people out there cheering you on as well. It doesn't matter whether you're the first man or the last man because um, you're still you're still one of the riders in the Tour de France, and mm. um, certainly I'm I'm you know I'm was never going to be a climber, mm. um, but I needed to get over the climbs and I needed to get inside a time limit to. Um, to be able to do the lead out the sprint or, or sprint myself the next uh, the next day. So how hard is it for you guys? Because we obviously see the, the front dudes, you know, the GC contenders going over the mountain stages and just beating the shit out of each other. For you guys, big guys and the non-climbers, um, you know, I, I think some people's understanding might be, oh, they're sitting in the, the auto bus and they're just cruising along. Um, I've ridden over those mountains and I know that uh, you go over those mountains any speed and it's hard work. Um, are you guys still working pretty bloody hard back there? Oh, you, you have to, otherwise you're never going to make the time cut. Mm. It, it's just impossible. But um, and, and the Gruppetto has changed over the years as well. When, when I started out, um, it used to be we rolled up the climbs relatively slow mm -hmm. and then got over the top and we descended like, uh, like demons, basically. Mm -hmm. I, I, I reckon I've lost about eight of my nine lives already on, <laughs> on, on, on my first sort of three or four Tour de France descents. Um, uh, but then, you know, as you got down into the valley, then it was just a full flight team time trial of 25 guys in the Gruppetto right. just smashing it to try and actually bring back some time that we'd lost on on the climb we were usually you know a good four or five minutes faster than, than the front guys down the hill right um and then smash it on the, on the flat to just to bring back a little bit more time again and then we could chill out going up the climb but because pretty much all the bike riders in in the professional peloton right now are that much better climbing than than what they used to. Um, mm. Certainly, the Gruppetto guys and the Sprinter guys. They nowadays uh, a three thousand meter altitude gain on a stage is it's not you know that's that's classed as a Sprinter stage. Mm. Um, most of the Sprinters get it, get over that in the front group. Mm. Um, back when I started racing, that certainly wasn't the case. We mm. you know we all sort of struggled and and sat up. So now you have to be a pretty good climber to to follow the uh, follow the Gruppetto. Mm. Otherwise, yeah, it's um, and end of end of end of tour end, end of, of tour. day yeah um and I, I don't want you to answer what you earned or anything like that but we just compare things to triathlon where the pros make bloody next to nothing if we look at say a a tour de france rider so you, you're good enough to get on a team but you're maybe one of the domestiques how much are those guys earning compared to say uh, say a top 10 gc sort of guy i mean i know lance and people like that were off the charts but um in terms of say somebody who's just making the tour versus say a top 10 top 20 gc rider what sort of dollars are they getting i think you're looking at uh, first 
you know, someone who's done a, a couple of good results around in the Tour de France and, and being competitive, but, you know, competitive mm. in, on, on individual stages and a good team player, um, you're looking at maybe around about 100,000 euros. Right. Um, when you're looking at the top end guys, um, you know, top 10 GCs, you, you, you're looking at um, closer towards a, uh, certainly a million euros, if not more than that. And mm. if you talk, start talking Contador and, and the likes, oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's astronomical figures again. So, mm. um you know, it, I, I don't know what the pros earn in, in triathlon, but it's, it's not much. It's not, it's not much <laughs> compared to that, I don't think so. But no. then again, cycling has become a mainstream sport. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's probably something that, that, that the Ironman um, or triathlon as, as, a, as a whole sport need to, needs to work a little bit on and, and, and yeah. get, um, get the sport to be a bit more mainstream and um, try and sort of spice it up a little bit. How did life change? You know, we often talk about the guys that, um, you know, they win Kona and then they're just, they're, they're on a, a nice gravy train again. It's not cycling standards, but, you know, Crowies and people like that, once they're on that, then they're sort of set and they're going to have really good endorsements for the rest of their, their career. Did things change much for you when you had your stage wins in the Tour de France? And, and what was the rigmarole like straight after that at the race? Yeah, I mean, my first, uh, my, my Tour de France stage win was uh, certainly changed life quite dramatically for me and um, you know you all of a sudden you're you, you're making good money yeah. and certainly as a as a 23 year old it was very good money yeah. um but so not not the figures that we're talking about in, yeah. in today's cycling because um all of a sudden the last number couple of years here now four or five years maybe um the numbers have gone up quite dramatically and uh, you know if you're a stage winner then you you certainly start looking up towards three four hundred grand a year yeah um whereas it was far 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 from from those kind of numbers <laughs> yeah. back yeah back, back when i was racing which yeah you know you can be a bit uh, a bit like that about but you know it's um yeah, it's it's a very different uh, different sport, but um, yeah, it's and um, in terms of uh, your commentary, I, I really oh, who's turning up at our door just barging in? It's probably probably <laughs> bloody Dave Dwan, is it? It is bloody Dave Dwan. There you go, interrupting everywhere. Um, in terms of your commentary, how did you sort of fall, fall onto that? And, and I really enjoy what your work that you do there. <laughs> well, that was complete and utterly just stumbled into it. Um, Ended up being injured, and uh, one of my my PR manager at the time he um, he was commentating a bit, um, and he said, "Why don't you come in and join me when when you're sitting there? You're not you're not you're not able to train or whatever." So yeah. I thought, well, let's give it a go, and, uh, and that was it. I got into it, started doing a bit, and uh, one thing led to another. And as I as I retired from from you know the top level of uh, professional cycling, then um, I just fell into that full time pretty much and yeah. you know I was doing sort of 70 80 days a year of, of yeah. comms work so um it's something that I, I certainly do enjoy doing it um it's it's very sort of strange the first couple of uh, races yeah. that you do but uh much like podcasting much like podcasting <laughs> yeah start. definitely yeah um but no I, I um i certainly enjoy what i'm doing do you get given much direction in terms of uh right this is sort of what you should be sort of doing um or or do you just sort of call it as you see it i tend to call it as i see it yeah. um obviously you do have certain directions and certain uh, certain mm -hmm. things you can and can't do say yeah. uh, and so on and certainly when you're working for uh, for any bigger any bigger channels then uh, that's definitely more more the case uh, if you're doing any kind of sort of 
uh, web-based um, TV, then it's a little bit more relaxed and, yeah. uh, and so on. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to want to make sure that I, I, I call it as I see it. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's been popular and, and unpopular obviously with certain uh, some some of my friends back in you know that I used to race with and yeah but based on the information that you have you call the races you see it and as it happens in front of you and uh yeah. you know if you gotta give someone a bit of stick for for not doing their job properly then so yeah. be it you know but um most of the guys that um you know my old friends i'm I, i'm still very cool with and mm. um you know they understand the uh, the gig that i'm doing now Phil Liggett's days must be numbered. I can see an opening coming up. I can see it coming. <laughs> um, what else did I have here? Um, I think I was just about done, really. I mean, uh, ju- just in terms of your, your your feel for when you when you first got into triathlon and how, what, what did you sort of feel about the vibe of triathlon and you know, going to races? Do you think these guys are a bunch of freaks? Because I can tell you when you go up and down the Lee Drive in the next week or so, there's a lot of... Uh, fairly intense looking people but um what was your sort of interpretation of of the sport as a whole when you came in no i mean my my first ever ever triathlon was uh, abu dhabi and did a long distance down there and that was only three months after i i started training so i kind of went down there didn't really know anything or anyone around it but yeah um i'd seen enico down in in club la santa um tyler butterfield i know from 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 back when um and as I came into the hotels, all those guys were down there, and it kind of took me in and, and just um, you know helped me out and sorted things mm-hmm. out and told me what was what and and so on. But you know, for me, it's been a, a big sort of research thing, just understanding, watching the races, um, watching the swim starts, um, you know, mm-hmm. the runs, the courses, what people do, don't do, transitions, just getting as much information as I possibly could from internet. Um, mm-hmm other triathletes and teammates this year and mm. and and just just making sure that i know everything and then trying to work out what's going to work best for me and uh, mm. so far it seems to be be working out all right nice oh well it's uh the 35 to 39 age group is uh is going to be a bit of a hot one unfortunately for me and some other people but an Ironman's a funny old thing and uh, you still want to run run a marathon on the Queen (laughs) K which uh, a lot of things can change thanks for your time and um, look forward to seeing you out there on the course definitely man okay Jumbo. I pushed record a little bit earlier so you couldn't answer your own question but 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 the thing the thing is is I I haven't listened to these interviews yet guys because it's literally I've I've just arrived and I'm straight into my job I tell you first world problems I tell you being in Hawaii having to to work in in my man week but um, what were some interesting insights that you heard from Magnus? Well, you guys have just listened to that. You know that FTP number for non-power people who don't know much about power it is astronomical. So his FTP at uh, what he said four eighty-five, I think it was. You know he's a big unit, but that's still gigantically big. So what did um, what did Magnus? What did uh, Jens Voigt? He averaged four hundred fifty-one. So. Magnus Backstead is a unit and he is, this sort of course is going to suit him really, really nicely. Fast, smooth roads, rollers, and he's just going to be able to power over all of those. So he's going to just come past me so fast, it's not even going to be funny. And uh, and yeah, I'm just... I don't know what he's going to be able to do on the run. He is a big boy, and I know he's had some running injuries and stuff like that, so... Yeah, he's he's going to be have a, a decent lead, but we'll, well see. I'm sure you covered this in an interview. What kind of times does he do an Ironman in? 
Well, he hasn't done anything amazing yet. Okay. So his bike times have been comparable with the pros, yep. the top pros, um, not blowing them off the park or anything yep. like that. But what, but what, what is he kind of running? Well, he'll probably, for, for, the, for the ride, he'll probably ride the same as the pros, four, yep. 4.30-ish plus or minus a few minutes. Yep. Um, and it's just whether he can pull together a 3.15 run. If yeah. he can pull together a 3.15 run, then he's going to be um, pretty damn competitive. You know, That'll have him coming in ballpark, 8.45, depending on conditions, which will be uh, equivalent to... It is interesting that year. this year your age group seems to be particularly hard. It you know, like you know, like I think when you went into this kind of project twenty fourteen, you did think that realistically, if you had your best day ever, top five was was yeah. realistic. Yeah, and that was based on results you'd seen from the past. Whereas it, this year, and that stands. So I look back through the results and go, "Yep, yeah, I think I can get top five in all those other years." Um, this year, I think you know, there's a lot of guys who have to blow up. But having said that, I think a lot of the guys in the age group are going to go for the win. And when you go for the win, yeah, as I've done before, well, I've blown, blown up. This year, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. So uh, they're, they're not all going to fire, but there's about six six or seven guys in there that they're just way faster than me. Yeah. I'm not trying to make excuses. But it's just interesting. Maybe it's because they all listen to the show well, and you've been the motivation. <laughs> I don't think so. But at the same time, we were talking to somebody else last night about the 40 to 44 age group, yep. and he was saying it's quite a bit weaker this year. Oh, um, really? Some of the, the the regulars maybe aren't there. So I think it's just um, – yeah. and likewise, this year at Ironman New Zealand, our age group was a lot stronger than usual. Yep. So I think it's just swings and roundabouts, and I'm not too phased. If I don't get in the top five and I have a fantastic race, I'll still be pretty happy, but yeah. it would be nicer to get in the top five. Of course. Um, okay, we're going to check on our next interview and it's Lindsay Corbin. Yes, and it, as you were here when I start off, I got gazumped, turned up, bloody cupcakes with cow, we're just finishing off there, and uh, but I did get free cupcakes. Hey, so. us, us New Zealanders, we're taking over the media world. Yeah, he's in the video, we're doing the audio, we're, we're dominating the dojo, John, so yeah. go, go Callum. Okay, uh, here's Lindsay. Right, We've got our first female guest. I've been here about three days, and they've all been boys so far. So we have five times Ironman champion, 18 times Ironman finisher, multiple top tens in Kona, and first person I've interviewed this week who I think I should be okay pronouncing the name. So it's Lindsay Corbin. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been bloody scooped as well. I, I rock up here, and bloody cups cakes with Cal has been here. Another Kiwi. <laughs> What's yeah, all that exa- about? Exactly. It's the day of the Kiwi today, and uh, lucky for you, you get the leftover cupcakes. So. You're doing the high-end media, bugger this triathlete magazine and all this sort of stuff. We're going high-end. Um, so if, hopefully a lot of people know of you, but that, you know, realistically um, our sport does not promote the pros as much as they should. So um, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. I think you're from Montana, and maybe just tell us just a, a really basic background of yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is Lindsay Corbin, professional triathlete um, from the U.S., and I actually currently live in Bend, Oregon, which mm-hmm. is where I grew up, and I recently moved back to Bend. Um, I was living in Montana for 13 years, mm-hmm. and Montana is where I got my start in triathlon. I joined um, the club university team, just looking to do it for fun, mm-hmm. and I entered my first Ironman in 2006, and it was Ironman Coeur d'Alene, and the week before the race, I Ironman but I would do it as a professional as well. Nice. So first Ironman, first pro race, and um, qualified for Kona that year yeah. in 2006, and here we are now. Very nice. What's, <laughs> well, uh, Bend, Oregon, is uh, I've heard is a fantastic place for skiing. What's, um, what's Montana? What's, what's some highlights from Montana? Uh, Montana, it's known as big sky country, real vast open land, lots of uh, ranches, uh, livestock, agriculture, uh, big mountains, 
lots of skiing as well. A uh, little bit longer winter than Bend. So mm. that kind of was one of the reasons we left. Mm. Uh, winters just got long, but um, beautiful country, real close to Canada. Um, so great, easy access to outdoor activities, which is something I enjoy outside of triathlon. So cool. um, enjoyed my time there and um, was bummed to leave, but excited for new adventures as well. So I, I saw you um, out running on Elite yesterday. Um, when, when do you arrive in Kona and, and what does your sort of taper look like and or are you doing anything different this year? Yeah, um, I got to Kona a little over a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to get here enough to have two full weeks of proper training um, for the race um, mm-hmm. just to get used to the heat, the time change, things like that. And um, I'm working with a new coach this year, Jesse Kropelnicki with mm-hmm. QT2 Systems. And I'm doing something different for this race, which yeah. I know you're never supposed to do anything different. But yeah. uh, so we're it's new that we're working together, so we don't know each other super well. So um, it's a new taper for me, but yeah. um, I'm excited to try it out. I definitely trust him and his plan. It worked well for my two Ironmans I did this year. So um, yeah, just going, I follow the, just do what I'm told and try not to think too much about it. And um, looking forward to racing on October 11th, Saturday. I saw you um, a post, it was a YouTube clip or something, you're doing some nine minute or some ridiculously slow mile pace what's all that about yeah I mean I think that that's been a big change for me from past experiences um I sort of have had to learn to cool my jets a little bit I've always been ever since I was a little girl someone that only knows full gas one speed and um Jesse's training has definitely taught me to slow down a little bit and make the easy days super easy and the hard days really hard and I think that's something we hear a lot about in the sport but people don't have the discipline to implement it or for me it was I didn't have a way to measure you know if I was going easy so in the past it was go on an easy run and I'd be running Mm. seven minute miles this Mm. is easy but um, Jesse has truly taught me that easy means 10 minute miles not seven minute miles and Mm. um, I think it's been really good for the consistency of myself I just feel like I'd reached a plateau and a lot of that was that I was getting injured and having interruptions in my training. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big goal for me was just be able to train consistently day in, day out. And I think by taking the easy days easy, that enables that. So kind of a long answer to your question. No. but <laughs> it, it, One of the things I often berate pros for is the prize money's crap in our sport. If you win Kona, great, you're going you're gonna to do really well. And if yeah. you're in the top couple in the world, probably doing okay short course guys are a bit better off one thing I love about what you're doing is you I think it seems that you get it in terms of mm-hmm. um, you know, I see the YouTube clips and stuff going out so I mean what is it for you about being a professional athlete and and going the extra mile I guess for your sponsors and and to get a better profile yeah I mean ultimately it's just because I enjoy it I think when I first got into the sport like I said I joined a club team it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed the interaction and the idea of this Ironman and starting with 3,000 people together and um, the unique thing is that it doesn't matter if you win the race in nine hours or eight and a half hours or whatever the time is or if you're going 16 hours we all battled the same elements you know for this race it'll be you know the swells in the ocean and the salt water and the chafing and the crazy winds and the heat and the humidity and we were all alone on the queen k and it was windy and it was hot like at the end of the day we can all shake hands and laugh about it share a beer tell stories and um i think that that's the unique thing about our sport a lot of times i compare it to nascar racing or golf like if you were really into golf it's not like you could go 
play around with Tiger Woods. Mm. Whereas if you're really into triathlon, we can all go do it on you know mm. Saturday together, and um, you can compare yourself to me. You can ride the same bike as me, and um, yeah, I've just always been a people-oriented person, and so I think sharing stories and helping other people out um, something I enjoy doing. So so worked uh, out <laughs> for for age groupers and stuff, and and, and pros. I mean, um, there's a lot of first-time pros here as well. How is Kona different for other Ironmans other than it being bloody hot? Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything different you do in this race that you might, say, do in Austria or Los Cabos or, or, or anywhere else? Yeah, I mean, this is by far the hardest Ironman um, on the circuit, in my opinion. I think for a variety of reasons. One, it's the World Championships. So anyone that's at the starting line is going to be super fit. Um, super fast, particularly the age group race, you know, you go to other Ironmans and there's a ton of people finishing between 10 PM and midnight. Whereas here, everyone's finishing, you know, much earlier, 10, 12 hours is really Mm. common. So everyone's really fit, particularly the professionals, everyone's brought their a game. And I think it creates this pressure cooker. And then on top of it, you have the course, which on paper, I don't think the course is that challenging, but you add in the elements of, the swells in the ocean and a non-wetsuit swim and then you add in the heat and the humidity and a lot of people aren't coming from climates that are like this and then the other craziest thing about this race is the giant question mark is i've raced here nine years i've done tons of training camps here and i've never ridden the course where it's the same like it's mm-hmm. it's always different and even at mile 30 you think, oh, the conditions are like this. And at mile 70, they're completely different. So you mm-hmm. think um, other courses is a lot more predictable. You know what you're getting into. Um, you can prepare. And this, I think there's a lot of that question mark. And you really have to be good at problem solving and maintaining that positive mindset. And then the marathon's a whole nother beast, you know, because you obviously have to have this whole nutrition component dialed. And if you haven't taken care of your nutrition and your pacing, then you get to the marathon. And I think that's where wheels start to fall off and you start questioning what am I doing out here and um but I think any other Ironman is a kid you know like people that do this one I think go do another one and this one (laughs) is just a beast in its own and I think that there's that allure I think that's exciting for people of like we do this because we want a challenge and this is definitely one of the more challenging races and I think learning to race it takes for me it's taken a lot of experience because um, it's just a big learning curve, at least for me. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't Chrissy, unfortunately. <laughs> None of us are. Um, so last year you got 10th. Um, you've been as high as, as fifth place. Um, how happy were you with your race last year? Yeah, last year I came in under much different conditions than I've ever come in before. I had um, a running injury that started in March and ended in a stress fracture in mid-July. And I didn't run from mid-July until um, early September. Mm-hmm. And I'd already qualified um, for the event through Ironman Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so I took my slot. And at that point, I thought, you know, you've got the tickets booked. You're going to go and just see what happens. And uh, my longest run last year before this race was nine miles, which mm-hmm. I did once. Nice. <laughs> so, I mean, I definitely was under underprepared um, for the run portion and there was this big question mark of you know what's going to happen and am I going to be able to hold on and so I had to embrace sort of some different training techniques and be really brave and (laughs) just see what happened so 10th place I think over the moon my um, parents were here watching they've come every year my dad said that he thinks it's one of the best performances he's seen out of me just because I had to really dig deep and 
um, a lot of self-belief and, you know, not really, you know, not being afraid to fail because I, the cards were somewhat stacked against me. So 10th I took. I was happy. Cool. So since then, um, you've had a win at Los Cabos, as far as I could see, a win at Los Cabos, a win at Austria. I know there's been some 70.3s as well. So it's ob- obviously been a pretty good stretch. Um, maybe just briefly tell us about those races and, and also your, your sort of expectations leading into into the uh, one week's time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely had a, a great season. I can't complain at all. Um, I started working with a new coach this year, mm-hmm. and we sat down early in the year and talked about sort of what some of my goals were, and um, for sure Hawaii was my A race of the year, and Austria was kind of the second big goal of the year, and Cabo was a test the waters and see where we're at. Um, but any race, I line up to you know I'm gunning for a win and a a great performance so I've had a steady progression throughout the year I was pretty fit when I raced Cabo Mm -hmm. but uh, definitely hadn't done any of the high-end intensity work yet and then Austria I was fit for and I thought uh, I don't know if there's much more to give but I actually reached another level of fitness I think since then so um, I'm excited to race on Saturday and just see you know where it went I, I know that fitness and training doesn't guarantee you a good race. You know, mm. a lot of other factors go into that. So um, I'm focusing on what I can control. I'll be eating and drinking a lot and, <laughs> you know, discipline on the bike, kind of holding back. And then um, hopefully I'll have a, you know, a good run off the bike. And was Los Cabos, was that, is that March now? Yeah, it was the so. end of March. And then Austria was the end of June. And So doing two Ironmans, is that just because you like doing them or is that because you are looking at the points going, I need points? What's your sort of strategy around that? Yeah, um, for sure my passion and strength, I think, lies in the Ironman distance racing. Um, In the past, after Ironman Hawaii, I've raced uh, fall Ironman to Mm -hmm. sort of get points, get a validation out of the way. And um, last year after the race, uh, my recovery took a really long time Mm. due to the under-preparation in the run. And so um, I wanted to race an early spring Ironman. And I do well in the hot races, and I do well Mm. on the harder courses. Um, I'm Mm. particularly strong on the bike. And I'd heard all that about the Cabo course, so that was the reason why I chose that one. And then um, I raced uh, Ironman Austria in 2012 and absolutely loved it. It was one of my favorite Ironman man's I've done and um I said I want to go back and do the race again and so I wasn't able to in 2013 because I was injured so this year I you know had to go back and keep my word and so yeah nice (laughs) and did you uh I I think you are the fastest female American of all time am I right with that is 852 is that right uh yes and it was 842 842 goodness (laughs) I know even I don't believe it sometimes fantastic (laughs) yeah thank Um, you so have you had the perfect Ironman race yet Uh, I don't think so and I don't think I ever will (laughs) to be honest I mean I think that that's what's so addicting about our sport is that it's such a long day three disciplines so many question marks that I think even you talk to Rennie who won last year or myself at Austria, you know, you'd go back and say, well, if I did this and this different and it's almost like a greedy, like, you know, could I go faster? Could I do this? And so, um, I think that's why I like it is it's a lot of problem solving, thinking on your toes, race day, being level headed, um, things aren't going to go perfectly. And so, you know, I think whoever can handle those bumps and level them out the most race day um, mm. is who comes out on top. So mm. I think perfection would be hard. I mean, I think winning Ironman Hawaii, I would be really pumped about, but I I just know my personality and I'd probably think, oh, what if I'd done this and this? And 
So. What about Lindsay's stats page on your website? I had a quick look at that, and uh, 2006 sort of uh, stood out as some interesting things. So maybe give us some detail around that. Yeah, so 2006 um, was the first year I qualified to race here. Um, my husband and I got married August 26th, and a few days after we got married, I was riding my bike, and a car ran a stop sign, and I went through the back windshield of the car. Nice. Yeah, and shattered my uh, collarbone in multiple places. Yeah. And I'd never, I'd only done one Ironman before, Coeur d'Alene, and in my head, I'd seen the Ironman Hawaii on TV, and I thought, you know, this is my only chance to go. Like I had no idea I would be making a career out of it or racing here nine times. And so I um, let my collarbone heal naturally. I I didn't have any surgery or anything and um, wore an arm sling and didn't swim pretty much till basically the race and raced with a halfway (laughs) broken collarbone and soaked up the experience. And I actually had, I mean, for my first time here, I think I finished in the 20th place Um, but as a professional for someone that didn't, you know, I didn't swim that well, didn't know what I was getting into. Um, it was a great experience. Obviously I came back, um, the next year and more years after that. So, so, um, Obviously, uh, tell us a bit about your sponsors. I think, I'm pretty sure you've been with uh, Saucony for quite some time. So maybe just, yeah. just give a bit of love to your sponsors. Yeah, no. Um, Bloody hell, you've even got a cupcake tattoo on your I arm. Know. Yeah. With no M-Dot tattoos, <laughs> we're doing cupcake tattoos now. Oh, crikey. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've been uh, running in Saucony shoes since 2007. So they're definitely um, Saucony and Cliff Bar, my two longest standing sponsors. I was eating Cliff Bars in high school. And um, <laughs> the great thing with all the sponsors that I work with is before I was sponsored by them, I was purchasing their product. Um, my first bike was actually a Trek bicycle um, nice. that I purchased. So, yeah, um, yeah. and uh, I've been working with Trek bikes as well for the last three years, and I'm going to continue working with them after this year. So, okay. um, great network of people. You can check out more of them at lindsaycorbin.com. And are you, in terms of other ways people can follow you, are, they, are you a Twitterer? Uh, I know you do a bit of YouTube stuff, but yeah. what's your... What, what people follow you anywhere else? Uh, yeah, I also have an Instagram channel. I enjoy mm. taking pictures and documenting yeah. my adventures. So um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and um, yeah. And anyone sends me an email through my webpage, I always write back myself and enjoy interacting with other people. So. Cool. <laughs> Any other things people uh, should know about you or you want to get off your chest that you never get asked <laughs> by media before? Um, not really. I mean, one story, I finish every race with a cowboy hat. Um, the first, um, the club team I talked about that I joined in Montana, um, we all carried cowboy hats across the local finish line at our races. And that's kind of where I got my roots of triathlon, where I, I'd never swum in a pool before or done a flip turn, anything like that, worn bike shorts. And they taught me everything I knew. And so once I started racing professionally, I, took the hat with me and um it's just symbolic of like i said i got into the sport for fun and Mm. it was our way of having fun and i think when i'm out there saturday and it's not fun Mm. i know there's going to be a few of those points um i'm just going to think of the hat and why i do this and that's sort of my carrot to get me to the finish line so does that mean your husband's got to be at every single race or you have (laughs) some other designated person if he's not there yeah no usually we find someone else to hand it out so we're taking applications for saturday there you go Com, yeah. so submit your uh, reason why you should be doing it exactly awesome well, it's been a lot of fun um, I'm going to crack into one of these cupcakes now and um, all the best with your race yeah and, best of luck um, with yours thank I'm you excited very to see much. you out there and we'll uh, yeah we'll see you at some stage on the Queen K if I catch you you're in serious trouble I know I'll be looking <laughs> sleep with one eye open <laughs> 
Seems like this is going to be my standard question for the next few days is what was interesting about that interview? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, maybe you should listen to that. Yeah, maybe I should listen to you. I think what's what's perhaps um, somebody like Lindsay Corbin, what, what's going to be interesting around the girls' race is what's going to happen. We, I, I think it's a given that you're going to have a big pack coming out of the swim yep. and whether that big pack stays together or not is, is one question. So you'll have um, same same girls last year, Joycey and um, Meredith Kessler and probably Gina and uh, Mary Beth Ellis and Daniela Reef and people like that will come out in that group and whether that stays together or not. But I think probably what is of more interest for me is what's going to happen behind there with with, um, with Rinny and whether she's going to have any anybody to ride with. And Lindsay Corbin's probably one of those ones who will be in that sort of ballpark um, so you know d- last year really didn't really need anybody around her and she just rode a nice steady ride and yep. just would keep pe- even power output and then just smoke it on the run um, but it'll be interesting to see yeah, if she has people around her or not and Lindsay could be one of those ones and she's definite you know top 10 material and on a good day top 5 Nice Chombo Mm. Marino cancelled the first interview, didn't he? So how'd you, get him, how'd you get him for the second one? He didn't cancel. He just didn't get my email on time. I was, oh. pretend, I was, I only emailed him the, the evening before, so it didn't. It was actually a blessing in disguise because there's no way I would have been ready. And then when I, Bevan normally does all the recording stuff and everything's yep. going on his computer, so I had to figure out how to do it, and yeah. I didn't actually have time to do it. And then when I did get to do it the next day, that's when I got the Skype call, wasn't it? <laughs> it didn't, wasn't working. And that simple thing was, didn't have the volume switch on. So it was good that he was a day late, but um, really nice, modest guy, just a good hard worker, doesn't bitch and moan about things that other athletes don't maybe get up in arms about. He just says, look, I love racing, just want to be out there. And he knows that the time is, the clock is ticking in terms of um, him potentially being able to win it. But he's one of the guys, if a few things rolled his way, he could potentially do it because he, he could be in, in that same position that the guys were last year with Freddie Van Leer and all those ones off the front. If he gets a couple of minutes up the road, he can run and yeah. if he can put an awesome run, he can do it. But uh, he would be at reasonably long odds. Okay, here's Marina. Righty ho, guest number three on the IM Talk Kona Super Specials. I'm going to get my pronunciation wrong again, even though I know today's guest, but we want to make sure that our pronunciation is 100% correct. So we know uh, John, the mountain snail Hancock, has given us grief for getting this guy's names wrong. He is a man who has been uh, the fastest man in the world at one period over the Ironman distance with a win at Austria a few years back, and he set the fastest time of 7 hours 45 at the time, which is smoking fast. He's a multiple Ironman winner. Also got a third place in Kona a few years back. Uh, his name is Marino, and to make sure we get the surname right, hit us with it, Marino. Uh, that would be Marino van Hunacker. Van Hunacker. Yeah, okay. that's close. Okay, really close. we're getting pretty close. <laughs> Welcome along the show. Thank you. Um, I've known you, well, I knew you from around about, I'm not sure if it's 1996 or 1997. Do you yeah. remember what year you were out in New Zealand? Yeah, it must have been yes, even seven or eight yeah. yeah, something like that. So yeah. It was a long, long time ago. Yeah. Um, and you're out there training, and at the time you were a duathlete. And yep, I know you went exactly. on to get a bronze medal in 2000 at the ITU World Champs. Yep. Thinking back to that period, I mean, we'll talk about some races, of course, back then, but um, uh, what were your aspirations back then? When you know, duathlon's a minority sport, and you were yeah. focused on that at the time, where, where, did you ever think you'd be where you are now? And what were, you th- what were your long-term goals back then? Well, I mean, back in the days, I... I basically started with duathlon because I couldn't swim at all as mm. you probably mm. saw when yeah. I was in New Zealand uh, that was 
pretty much the first year that I started training on on uh, on the swim and uh, I mean it's it's great to have uh, an idea to come to Hawaii one day but if you can't swim you have a problem so mm. uh, I started with duathlon and uh, um, yeah maybe the success <clears throat> that I had there like really really quick as a junior and and then uh, under 23 maybe held me there for one or two years i mean mm -hmm. too many maybe or maybe not but i mean it was i mean i wouldn't say easy but it it was six success that came really fast mm. and i didn't expect that and uh, i was still doing my bachelor uh, degree at the time so there was not that much free free time mm. and uh yeah once that was was behind me i i started really focusing on the swim and I think that <clears throat> that uh, medal at Worlds in in South Africa uh, was my last duathlon, and I said, mm. okay, from now on, I only do triathlon, mm. and I wanna I wanna go to the same level in triathlon as I was as a duathlete, where everybody laughed at me. <laughs> mm. it's, it must be very very hard. I mean, we know how hard it is to make a living as a triathlete, but to do it as a duathlete must be near impossible to make a living out of this. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was just uh, yeah, hanging there. I still lived with my parents, so mm. that makes it a whole lot easier. Uh, but yeah, I was doing jobs in the winter, mm -hmm. doing a lot of hours, and then I could pay my my uh, three month visit to New Zealand to to get through the rest of the winter and hopefully yeah. start early in the European season. So it was really uh, do some part time jobs, work yeah. here, work there, and then travel, do races, training camps, and then if the money was gone, start all over again. Yeah. So to give you guys uh, an impression of, of how bad. Marina swimming was we did the uh, Timaru International yeah. Triathlon and I drove down with Marino and another guy called James Beach yeah it was really early in the morning yeah, it was <laughs> I think Timaru's about an hour and a half to two hours away and I think it was like a nine o'clock start so God yeah. knows what time we, we left but I, I can't remember what the, the numbers were, but I, I think I put about five minutes into yeah. you in uh, 1,500 metres and you weren't quite able to claw it back over the 40k and no. 10k run. I think you came pretty close, yeah. but you know, this is 1,500 metres. I'm not any world record swimmer and uh, and I think I put, put about five minutes into you. So. Yeah, that was a good swim for me that day. <laughs> <laughs> how hard and how long did you have to work at your swimming to, to, to get it to where it is now? I, I mean, honestly, I think it's still improving. Mm. Even at the age of thirty-eight, it's mm. uh, it's strange. I mean, it. I, I wouldn't say I, I still go faster and faster. Um, uh, for sure, not in the pool, but I get m I I get more comfortable out of the water in a in a mm. race. And uh, let's say nowadays, probably most more than half of the races, I come out of group with the with the main contenders for for mm. any race. Uh, there's always one or two fish ahead, mm. but. Uh, I can pretty much, yeah, hold hold on to the to the guys who are gonna mm. who are gonna make the race for the rest of the day. Mm. How, how long did it take you to to you know? You said you were living with your parents to, yeah. to actually start making a, a proper living out of the sport. Uh, yeah, I I would say I mean I could live from it, and I mean barely hang in there ten years ago, and maybe start. Yeah saving some money next yeah. to what i need to live yeah. about five six years ago yeah so yeah that's it's a it, long road I, I already won a few ironmans before i could yeah. really start saving so it's uh yeah scary 
thinking about it. But in the meanwhile, it it changed a lot the how it looks in triathlon, and I think there's a whole lot more athletes who make a living out of it now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy. But uh, nobody told me I had to do triathlon. It was a choice mm. that I made myself, so mm. I could yeah easily live with with that idea. Nice. So yeah, this year looks like it's been a, a pretty good year for you. Um, you know, we we rode uh, both Phil and I, who's sitting over here. We rode through Canada uh, in August, and we yeah. rode through Whistler. And as we left, we, our first day was to bike to Whistler, and then we biked through. And as I was we were, as we were leaving Whistler, I I was thinking, man, that does not look like that an easier bike course. No. Um, maybe tell us about your day there, and um, and a bit about that course because look. Look fairly challenging. Yeah, well, I I traveled early to that race too, like I love to do for for my big events. I took my family that time. Uh, yeah. It was summer holidays in Belgium, so my daughter and wife came, and uh, I I trained about three and a half weeks on that course and yeah. only on that course. And uh, every time I came back, and my wife was training a little bit too. Yeah. Every time every time I came back, I was like, Jesus, man, this those splits from last year. Yeah. I mean that's that's fast. I'm not getting anywhere close to that. And yeah. I was like, okay, what 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 do you think would be possible on race day? And we were like, okay, if I have to like uh, match that time from from Trevor from last year, I have to do that on the bike and that on the run. I was like, Jesus, I'm so far off that yeah. pace. Where I'm gonna find it? Yeah. Uh, but I had a good taper, and I'm, I mean, during the weeks, it 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 you get. I if I can train on the course, I really get to start to get a feeling about yeah. it and that's a I mean that's a big advantage for me if I know what's coming and yeah. and I can a little bit divide like the the, the course and uh, it started to going faster and faster on training too but still nowhere near what I pulled off in on race day so yeah. I yeah somewhere yeah the taper must have been right and the training must have been right and uh, I was surprised too to do four I, I think I did 432 on the bike and mm. uh, yeah I mean the roads are smooth but um yeah but geez, still we were it's descending. not flat when we, left Whistler, yeah. we were descending for what seemed like bloody ages yeah yeah <laughs> but then, then it means you have up. to come back yeah. at the end of the yeah. end or an 80 kilometer bike ride and that's uh, yeah I, I held some reserve for that and that was a good thing yeah um and other, other races you've had this year you've had uh, Melbourne look like yeah. a steady not spectacular race yeah, for you but, I was, but steady i was still scared uh, going into that race because i had another like kona similar uh, uh thing happening to me in cozumel in yeah. at the end of uh, 2013 yeah so i was really i was really scared to to go in another ironman actually i'm i mean i went first uh concern was to get to the finish line do it in a healthy manner yeah and uh okay the training was was better and i did more i had done more miles since the injury but yeah i, I really was scared and uh, maybe I, un, I i underpaced it maybe a little bit in the beginning of the bike but uh yeah i mean that i was really happy to to finish to finish sixth and and get some at least some points for the kpr and that felt like a for me like a new start and 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 it proved to me okay maybe there's still a chance to come back just come come in a little bit to the okay. mic. So, in, in terms of um, the injury, was it was an injury or was it more a meltdown that you had? Because I remember the, your experience. Uh, yeah, Cozumel was a meltdown, but uh, I I mean coming back from the injury that I had in July. Yeah. Um, probably Cozumel was a little bit early, mm-hmm. and I maybe 
probably overbasted a little bit and then screwed up my my nutrition plan again mm-hmm. and uh yeah that made me end up in the same spot mm-hmm. as i was here in kona and yeah. uh, it seemed to get more and more concerning because i didn't get the treatment like fast enough yeah. so i really yeah at some stage i really thought um that's it yeah. I'm, I'm gonna stay here and go home in a box and uh, talking to the medical guy uh, he said you sh- you shouldn't push your body to that place too too many more times because it's uh, it's gonna end uh, I mean it's gonna, really it's gonna end yeah, yeah. <laughs> someday so that really made me thinking during the whole winter and I mean coming back from the injury it, it was really a slow slow uh, curve coming up again like put some more miles in feel something again in that area then slow down then re was like two steps up one step down like for months and months and uh yeah coming out of of a a, a dnf here and then not a really super season and a huge injury and then another big dnf in cozumel i mean it, it doesn't do your confidence any good so yeah i was really happy to to really finish that that race in in uh, in Melbourne and and I mean it wasn't bad it wasn't a bad race yeah uh, if you look at who's who was on the starting line I mean yeah before the race I probably would have signed for that sixth place so that was for me a relief uh, that I could race again with the big boys and uh, that uh, yeah that I maybe had another chance to to get really to the to the top level that I once was how does your, your wife feel about uh the meltdowns and stuff because i know uh, my first ever ironman i did in south africa and uh i, I ended up in la la land um, i made it through the finish but uh my email home that that evening or to send out to people my wife said oh, yeah I'm, you're not going to an ironman again without me <laughs> um, how does she feel about the you know the, the worries that you've got and um and about you know pushing yourself to to the absolute limit yeah i mean she's she's done over 20 ironmans and she's been right. to scary places too but i think it's a it's a good thing that uh, she never really was there when i was uh yeah. Uh, out yeah yeah <laughs> i mean the two the two times that i had the meltdowns here she was racing herself so mm. she saw me a few hours after the medical tent mm. and then i look well as usual <laughs> i was not mm. normal but as usual after an ironman mm. and then in cozumel she wasn't there so she can only wait at the computer and be concerned but uh, mm. i think it's a it's a good thing that she didn't see those things yeah. but so i mean she's still she would still support any choice I make, but uh, it really was a good thing she didn't see that. <laughs> so you also had another, um, I think you had a win at Zell MC, the 70.3. Yeah. I probably pronounced that incorrectly, but, you know, pretty pretty solid day at the office there. Yeah, it was a, was a hard day. I had a, a major problem again the week before. I I, uh, I blocked my, my glutes mm-hmm. and uh, I couldn't, I, I mean, I couldn't walk <laughs> the Saturday before the race, so I didn't run for a whole week. And uh, we talked through several strategies with the coach and from not racing to just train that day and, and do an appearance yeah. or just swim and bike and then not run. And I mean, eventually I we decided, okay, you know what, just hammer it on the bike, mm. make that gap as huge as possible. And, and I mean, if you can run, start running and, and go from there and pull the plug if it hurts too much. Mm. And I think I had a f- over five minutes, and but with with five k to go, I only had forty seconds, so I had to 
to push a little deeper than I would have wanted at that time. And mm -hmm. I mean, going into a half distance with no running at all for the last seven days, uh, mm -hmm. to me, that was a big shock to the system. Mm -hmm. So it basically meant that I couldn't stand on my legs again for another yeah, half yeah. a week. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have helped the problem with the glutes. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's still sensitive even now, but uh, I think we have it under control. I can, I did all my uh, big runs the last three weeks. Nice. The only thing is uh, I have to schedule a, a massage like straight yeah. after the run so yeah. they can squeeze it all back in, in the place. So what's a, what's a key run for you, you know, in terms of if, if you're thinking a, a real key preparation session, I know, you know what, what some of mine are, but what, what do you sort of do in terms of, you know, how hard you go relative to Ironman pace or how, how do you break up a long run and, and how long would that be? Well, my longest runs this year will be will have been 32k, mm -hmm. so 20 miles uh, in training. And that's, I mean, that's, that's long for me. Mm. Uh, that takes me about two or three days to really get the, the muscles like flexible and normal again. And that's, uh, that probably would be like with some Ironman pace in it or, or just maybe just under, I mm -hmm. mean, it depends on how fast or how slow I will run the Ironman in a race, yeah. but, uh, that's where we go. And, uh, I mean, some, some shorter stuff with like 15 K or 20 K sessions would, would have some, yeah, maybe, uh, 10 mile an hour, 11 mile an hour, shorter pieces in it. But yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't do those 400 sessions and 800 sessions and 1000 anymore. It, it does. It's it came. We did a few in the in the summertime because mm -hmm. I we we believed I got really really slow during the years, um, and it was good for my my base speed. But then once we started with arm and Canada preparation and and then this preparation uh, uh, again with the with the minor setbacks on the run, uh, it wasn't really the moment to go to a track and and mm. and squeeze that top end speed out. So mm. we really focus on. Yeah, on 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 Ironman pace or just below, and then yeah, maybe just go one or two miles an hour faster for shorter for shorter parts. So, what's target Ironman pace for you? I mean, I've seen some of your splits. You know, when you've done Austria, yeah. I, I can't remember what you you must have run two forty ish. And I know you. Yeah. I saw one split from Kona. I think you were maybe two forty five or something. I think so the what? fastest I ever run here was two forty six. So, yeah. uh, to be really honest, it would it would be unrealistic to to say that i'm going to run 244 now i'm yeah. 38 years old yeah. uh coming back from a huge injury uh so yeah i would i mean if you put it on paper now and i run 246 i sign uh, <laughs> yeah. no matter where that gets me in the race but yeah. i i'm pretty sure with my swim and bike if i can squeeze a 246 out yeah i'll be quite quite far in front yeah, yeah. um but yeah i'm yeah, if I if I run four minutes flat uh, per k, so that would be two forty eight, two forty nine. Yeah. I think in this heat mm. uh, on this course, that's that's solid running, mm. you know. Mm. And I mean, if your fastest ever here is two forty six high, I mean that's not a bad yeah, bad yeah. target time. How do uh, yeah the, the run splits seem to vary quite significantly yeah. for the guys? Is is that a con weather condition thing or is that more of a how hard the bike is Ugh, yeah well i'm you know i had many many discussions even 
uh, with Luke, that's mm. my coach now. But before he coached me, like he always said, if you hold back a little bit on the bike, you, you'll, you'll gain that that time back in the run easily. But I, I'm really not convinced of that. <laughs> and during the the years, uh, I mean, you know it. For sure, if you're gonna do a 420 bike split, you you don't wanna you you're not gonna run your fastest marathon. But mm. if you do a 425 or a 430, it I mean those five minutes slower on the bike, it's not gonna give you six minutes on the run. Mm. I'm a hundred percent sure about that. You're gonna get tired uh, at some stage of or the other in a marathon. So it probably has some influence, but you know I mean the the way. The way we race nowadays here, I mean, you come out of the of the water with a huge group. Maybe there's going to be a small group in ahead this year, but but still, the pack with with the most of the contenders are together until uh, yeah, until you turn to towards Havi, and then it pretty much explodes every year on that hill and mm. coming back. Um, and I think uh, you know, ten years ago there was one guy who was doing four thirty. Mm. and he was way in front and now there's there's probably 10 guys who are doing 430 and there's still three guys uh, yeah. ahead of that like yeah. way ahead so it's uh it's not going to help the run splits and yeah. i mean there's there's no way that that Kinle or or uh, Starikovic or me or maybe Luke are going to run a 245 but that's not how we race you know mm. the guys who are going to run 245 or or uh, or even faster this year mm. Uh, are coming from from that that group and uh, it's this different race strategy but I think it's also different athletes if mm. you look at the athletes um, there's guys who have I mean like Frodo probably has a what would he have 240 possible yeah 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 so that's what everybody thinks um, but he's never gonna bike a 420 yeah. I mean it's up to him to prove me wrong in, yeah. in 10 days but uh, that's not the kind of athlete and I think uh, on the other way it's uh, Kinley can do 415 or Starikovic can do 415 but they won't run 245 yeah. but that's not needed either if you go that fast so it's really a different kind of athlete and I think that's the most the, the biggest difference I mean it's you know, I I find it always hard if they say, oh, he got caught or he blew up on the bike. No, it's just a different athlete. I mean, if he's yeah. strong on the bike, why wouldn't he go hard on the bike? Mm. I mean, even if he if he if he rides ten minutes slower on the bike, he's not going to run ten minutes faster. Mm. So he has to use what what his ability brings to him, and 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 just try to hang in there in the marathon. Then, mm. it, back in uh, when was it? It was 2012. Um, I was I think I was sitting outside Lava Java, and you came uh, steaming past on the run. And I can't remember if you're in the lead, but if there was somebody in front of you, I'm not sure. But I just thought, Matt, you've just I, I know you can run well, yeah. and you didn't have, probably have to run that yeah. well to win it. What was the feeling like going down Elite Drive in the lead? Think, and did you see your splits? And are you thinking, shit, you know, I've just got to put a steady run in here and I can do this was that sort of going through your mind or what what was the feeling on Ali Drive yeah I mean I mean Ali Drive basically always is easy you know yeah. it just started and you know it's still going to be a long long time before you reach the finish line but I knew I had an eight minutes bonus mm. uh, so that's like I mean if you watch a race and somebody has an eight minutes bonus it's like mm. Did he start earlier? Yeah, or, yeah. Whereas everybody, late. I was just so I, I, I mean, I can count, and I know I've, I wasn't, I'm, I mean, I never really panicked or or pushed 
too hard on the run. I, I was just doing four, four or five kilometers. I mean, I, if you have a lead of eight minutes, I mean, you're not going to extend that lead during the marathon. I mean, mm. you, from step one, you have to defend that mm. eight-minute lead, and that's what I did. And I knew if I if I ran four or five, then somebody had to come with a 244 marathon. So mm. I was happy to defend that. Mm. And I mean, running four or five is on a lead drive yeah. in the first kilometers. I mean, that's just steady running. I'm, yeah, yeah. You know, I've done that thousands and thousands of kilometers. So I, re I really was in control. And I knew my numbers that I pushed on the bike. So I didn't yeah. really overdo it to get that those yeah. eight minutes. And... Uh, yeah, so I was cruising along until I hit Palani and then everything switched in five minutes' time. Yeah. Yeah. By the time you got to... I cooked and I overcooked and then... Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, in the meanwhile, we know, I mean, if, if I overcook, it's... That's, that's That was the first signal I got and then I know, okay, just try to get as close to a medic yeah. as possible in the next mile because it's going to start looking ugly. Yeah. And that's what happened again. Yeah. So just in terms of your kind of progression, um, what did you learn along the years? Because you know, in terms of your results, so 2006, you were sixth. 2007, you were fifth. 2010, um, you were third yeah. uh, with a 2.46 marathon. Um, what, what were you sort of learning along those years and, and what was m making you get better? I think it, it just came with the age, you know. Mm. The kilometres you or the miles you put in, during the years I, I barely ever had an injury so mm. I could continuously train um, I wouldn't really say it was the the experience you have here because mm. it doesn't really work here experience yeah. I guess it's a different story every year and you can't really predict it but um, yeah I think I just got more mature and mature as, a, as an athlete and uh, yeah I mean sixth and fifth was just hanging there all day long yeah, you know that was just hang in there, hang in there, and just <laughs> uh, survive and drag myself to the finish line. But the the, the year that I got third was a uh, was really more a uh, more a tactical decision races. Yeah. I really paced it like f dead flat, and yeah. I got away on the bike. Uh, I think Chris was ahead, but yeah. I've been from all the other guys. I got away from uh, from them. And then Maka came with uh, with Reynard at the yeah. end of the bike. He came closer again, and then he flew on a lead drive. And I, I thought, <laughs> okay, just fly, man. I get you back by the time <laughs> you get to Energy Lab. And then Andreas was catching me like with yeah. two or three seconds a mile. So yeah. he was uh, working hard to get to me. And I think when we turned in um, in um, in the Energy Lab, we were 15 seconds apart. Oh wow. So, and that's where, I mean, yeah, but well, a lot of people say that's where the race starts and, and uh, that's pretty much where it stopped for me because <laughs> of where, I mean, it, when I got to the spot where I, where I had the thought during the race, okay, from there on, it's squeeze everything there's in it. And I just went to a really bad patch there yeah. and uh, they ran away again. They, then Andreas caught Maka and they ran away for two minutes and... Yeah, at 5k from the finish I could come back up to close to a minute but yeah, yeah that was it that was my last yeah. shot that was and uh, yeah I mean that's that's probably the f the only time that I underestimated somebody uh, here in Hawaii and that was Maka I mean yeah. he was out of 
the picture for the whole race, yeah. uh, the whole season, I mean. Yeah. So I didn't really think of him uh, to be a, a concern. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was third and, and I never was further than tr uh, two minutes from the lead the whole yeah. day long. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's when you know you have a chance to win this thing one day. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, in terms of coming back to Kona, you know, it's been a quite a battle for you to get here, you know, having to do Melbourne, mm. having to do Canada, um, and probably accumulating points. And you, you, were, you, were, you were down in the rankings, and, and mm -hmm. at some, one stage it's like, is he going to make it, is he not going to yeah. make it? Um, why is it so important for, for you to be here, where, you know, you could be elsewhere, sort of trying to cream it at some easier races? Yeah. What, what's the main reason why you're here? Yeah, well, it's still the reason why I do triathlon, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Hawaii, and... Uh, I always said I I go back as until I un, until I win the damn thing. Yeah. But uh, I'm 38, so it has to happen like <laughs> yeah, like really soon. And uh, yeah, I mean it's it hasn't been ideal the last few years. And uh, maybe I blew some some chances or some big big chances, but uh, that's how it is over here. I I you know racing the way I raced. I I honestly don't believe I ever lost a race in my career mm. I threw away a lot of like podium mm. spots and really nice top fives and top tens all over the world and mm. also here but lose lost a race I I honestly don't believe mm. I mean if it if my plan of racing works and I get away with it I I win big time mm. and if it doesn't work I end up in the medical or yeah. somewhere near yeah and uh so there's not really like a, a really way in between for yeah. me. So, but as I said, I, I honestly don't believe thinking back at it that I ever lost a win. Yeah. Uh, racing like I race, I threw away a lot of nice spots, but not a win. What about for your sponsors? Is it is it important for them for you to be here, or is it it's more you just you just want to be here? Do they you know if if you don't get anywhere here do they I mean obviously they want you to do as well as you can in, in years but is it, are they a big driver saying we really want you to be at Kona yes I think for some sponsors it's more important mm. for me to have me here uh, others are not uh, yeah for others it's probably not that important that I mm. that I race here so but I, I through, through my career I pretty much managed to do my my own will and mm. my own choices of races that was I mean that's pretty much the first thing I always talk about mm. to a sponsor. I mean I'm the chef here, yeah. so nobody's going to tell me where to go yeah. to race, and uh, that's that's uh, like yeah. From there on we can talk further. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's great if you can can do your own uh, or your own races that you that you prefer, and for sure, uh, yeah. I, like I said, some sponsors. Uh, Hawaii is more important than for others, but yeah. uh, what about yeah. that? You know, you, you, you've often been part of teams, and I know you've got. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's your little team now, but you've no. often been part of teams. Um, yeah. Is that financially better for you, or because you know you would often be one of the, the strongest athletes on the team? What's sort of the reasoning behind it for you? Is that a you can pull more resources and you can make more out of that, or, or is there other reasons? Um, you, you know, it's just a. Coming together of uh, things, I guess. Um, the first big team I was in was was Trace Kleinwort and Commerce Bank. Yeah, uh, that really was through through Norman Stadler. He he basically got me in, mm. and for me that was a yeah a perfect four years. You know, you have a team captain that 
pretty much takes all the the shitload of work that yeah. has to be done for PR and stuff. And I just could swim anywhere in between, do my own races, stay under the radar and, yeah. and, and make big results and don't have any stress because he was covering for that. Yeah. Um, and then now the the team, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the top guys now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, it was a team that already existed for a year, just wow. like the, the Dresner, Kleinwort and Commerce Bank team. So I just step in and uh, it's, uh, it's it's I mean, every plus has a min, you know, it's mm. every advantage has a disadvantage. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like it. I mean, it's it's good to have some people around who yeah. think the same, who want to go to the same, uh, who want to achieve the same. And uh, yeah, it's always nice. I mean, I'm probably the last guy who thinks as a team uh, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. guy, but uh Still, I yeah, I like to be in a in a group every now and then, and uh, it takes yeah, maybe some of the stress away. So tell us a bit about some of the sponsors here. I can see them on your top there. I don't know. I'm not familiar with many of them other than Scott. <laughs> uh, Scott is a bikes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I I think they have with the Plasma Five, they they squeeze a little more uh, free free speed out of it. Nice. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, then the Belgian Army. I'm yeah. a sports soldier in Belgium, so uh, cool. that means, uh, yeah, I'm a full-time professional. You and Freddy Van Leer, eh? Defending yeah. the country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, not not this month, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, then there's Alpha Wolf, the, the running shoes. Right. Uh, they, I mean, that was a, a good opportunity. Also came through Norman and, and, uh, and Hubert. Um, they pretty much uh, made it possible to... to help designing or have an input in the design of the of the shoe that i i want to run on and yeah. uh, that was unthinkable of in with the really big brands and yeah we uh we tried to push this brand and and get it on the map and uh, it's a it's a hard way but uh, i think we we we're getting there slowly but surely so you're going for sort of a, a minimalist shoe what's your sort of approach that you well, we tried for we i mean it's i basically only worry about my shoe yeah. the shoe that i want and i want something in between like yeah. not really the the lowest or the, the the lightest race flat and not really heavy training shoe so i mm. i race and train with something in between mm -hmm. and then uh, but we have the the really light race flat we mm. have that we have the training shoes since uh, this year so we try to uh, widen up the 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 mark a little bit mm. And uh, I think there's a little bit for everyone there. And mm. I mean, it's really personal thing, you know, running mm. shoes. So you, you either get along or get away with it or, or you don't. And mm. uh, it doesn't mean that when the shoe is perfect for me, it doesn't mean it has to be perfect for you. Mm. I mean, it's something you have to feel, but uh, it was a great thing to, to be able to have some input in, in the design. And, and yeah. What's PWAG? PWAG, it's, uh, that's the new team. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, basically industrial chains and also ch uh, snow <laughs> chains for the for the car. On their, uh, their race kit, they've got like a, a chain, chain going yeah, around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's their motivation for being in here? Are they just passionate about triathlon? or are they Yeah, I think the uh, the big chief uh, over there, Egit, uh, he, he does some triathlon. Uh, yeah. He's really sport-minded. He's into sailing and all that kind of stuff too. And... Uh, yeah, I mean they're based in uh, in Klagenfurt, or mm -hmm. their head office is in Klagenfurt. They also have office in in Graz, and and now there's a a part in uh, in the US and uh, a part in Czech, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, 
it's really important for for triathletes if if we can get people like this involved in mm. triathlon. I mean, that's where our future is. I, it's good that nowadays the the brands like the the cycle the bicycles and 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 the shoes starting to invest a little bit in athletes, but. I think we still need to focus on uh, outside of the sport money too. And uh, if you can can get somebody uh, so involved and so uh, yeah mobilized by 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 our sport, I mean it's a, mm. it's a, a chance that you have to grab with both hands. Mm. And uh, as we alluded to earlier, it's obviously been a challenge getting you to the start line here in terms mm-hmm. of the amount of races you've done what's your sort of you're at a disadvantage because you, I guess you came into the year with no points you had no mm-hmm. kind of points you didn't hear any, I don't, I'm not sure if you got any in, well, you didn't get any in Cozumel I mm-hmm. assume so you're really starting on the back foot so you're at a big disadvantage so do you like the point do you, do you like the current system um, or do you think there should be some form of modification to it oh no I, I, I mean I don't I don't give a shit about the point basically you <laughs> yeah. know I mean that's maybe rude to say it like no. that but I you know it I mean that's that's uh, how it how it is at the moment if I mean if you don't like it just do something else yeah you know I I hated to read all the fuss again and again and again yeah. about these points you know if I if I have a normal season I don't even have to worry about this so mm. I mean I never made a point out of it and I'm surely not going to make a point out of it uh for instance, last year I wasn't here, not because of that I missed the cutoff. Mm. I think I was the first guy who didn't make the cutoff, but you know there was no chance I was going to run, or I couldn't even bike and swim at that time. So it was not because of the points that I was not here, but just because of a big injury. Mm. And I got the injury not uh, because of I because the fact that I was racing too much because because I only had planned three races for that season. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, no, I'm I'm perfect. Op- perfectly okay with the points yeah i mean like i said if you don't like it do something else there's a lot of a lot of other races to to go to and yeah. and to choose from yeah and if you don't like it do something else i mean if you sign that that uh pro membership at the beginning of the year i mean you should read and should should and then and then come and nag about point system no it's it's just there nice. and uh or you get along or you don't get along but yeah there's cool. too much too much fuss going on about that. And if people want to follow you, um, are you a Twitter? Uh, what, what, how do people follow you if they want to yeah, keep I'm on, the tabs on what I'm you on do? Twitter. I'm on Facebook. So that's yeah. What, what's your what's your Twitter handle? Twitter would be Bink Marino. Bink Marino. What's Bink for? Uh, it's a huge guy with a lot of muscle. Right, <laughs> <laughs> nice. As you can see. Nice. <laughs> awesome. I oh, we're looking forward to seeing how you get on out there. Do it for. Do it for your old Christchurch buddies. And, yeah. Um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you out on the course and hopefully you'll be uh, running along. I don't know where I'm going to see you guys. So running along uh, the Queen K sometime when I'm coming the other direction. So yeah, have a okay. great day. Good. See you. Awesome. Thank you. Again, I haven't actually listened to you, but the thing that's really important, John told me that I need yeah. to bring up the fact you brought him up and that you beat him in the Timaru Tim- Triathlon. Timaru International. Yeah. yeah. So Do you know, I, 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 I ran um, 33 at the Timaru International. Did you win it? No, I got third, I think. Smoked. But this is when I first started triathlon. I smoked. Well, I'm hearing his excuses. Yeah, I was pretty happy actually to be honest that day because mm. I was a bit like, I think I beat some of the, you know, Christchurch good triathletes. And mm. I was like, and that was my first kind of race. And I was like, oh, I beat some, I don't know what I was doing. I think I won 100 bucks there. Did you? I think I did. I think it was one of my first ever paydays. That's a big thing when you first win money, yeah. eh? I remember my first payday was a soccer race and yeah. I won $10 yeah. for a sprint for third grade and I yeah. thought I was the shitty Benitti. <laughs> I thought I was pretty cool that day. Yeah. Do you remember the first day you won fit money, Phil? 
Yeah. He, he won't pay, ta- he pay tax on that prize money. Hey, in case you make it. <laughs> Put it in the <your> pocket. <laughs> Buy yourself a beer. So, um, yeah, so I did beat Marino in the Timaru Triathlon, and that was, uh, yeah, it must have been about 1998. How long did he train in Christchurch for? He came down for about three months. Oh, did he? Hit KFC pretty hard on the way back from, uh, <laughs> from Timaru. So Timaru's about two hours south of Christchurch, and Ash- a place called Ashburn's on the way back. And uh, we're coming back with it was me and my mate James Beach and Marino, and we hit the KFC. And uh, Beachy turned around or something. Next thing you, all my KFC was gone. Oh, I just, I, I, I just guzzled oh. it so quickly. God, it was a long day. KFC is one of those foods I never have, but. Deep down, I do love some KFC. Yeah. I do love that dirty old KFC. I never have it because it's just not good for me. But oh, that, that ch- KFC, eh? Okay, well, Marino, well, good luck, Marino, this weekend. And uh, I'll have to listen to the interview later. Okay, next up, we've got Kate Snow. Kate Snow, so she is a running legend. I thoroughly enjoyed her coming over because, um, yeah, she's just, I've got so much respect for her and Rennie running as fast, if not faster, than the majority of the pro <laughs> men. So, again, she ran, uh, yeah, I think 253 last year. You know, f- she outran most of the top 10 guys or ran equal to them, which yeah. I just find awesome. Uh, so, her bike is her weakness. And if she can, if she can, you know, just have an amazing day on the bike, you know, she's run up to s- as high as fifth and sixth. Um, she could mow a few of those girls down if she can have a slightly better bike ride. Um, so, top American last year. There you go. Here's Kat. Kate. Kate. Kate, sorry. I looked at her and I thought, Kat, what's that about, Willis? Okay, here's Kate. Righty ho. Um, we have right up now, we have uh, sixth place from last year, multiple. Ironman podium place getter, 70.3 champion, and Uber runner extraordinaire, Caitlin Snow. Welcome along the show. Ka- you prefer Caitlin or Kate? Uh, either one's fine. Either one's yeah, fine. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me at all. Whatever I like these names yeah. that we can pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had a few that are a little, a uh, few t- tongue twisters. Oh, no. <laughs> so give us a bit of your background. I mean, um, you're probably well known in the States, um, but give us a bit of background about where you're from, age, so on just the basics okay um i'm 32 now i started triathlon when i was 13 i, I did a little yeah. youth triathlon um and just instantly loved it i was swimming when i was younger i did swim team and um and then when i got into high school which was actually after i started triathlon i did swim team and track team and uh and didn't really take it too seriously as all the way through college and then um about junior year, senior year in college, started taking it a little more seriously, doing some ITU stuff, doing the um, a little bit of the draft legal and the collegiate nationals and things like that. And then I actually tore my ACL in 2006. I had always wanted to eventually do long course, yeah. iron, you know, Ironman and 70.3 distance, but um, I didn't expect to do that until I was closer to 30. But then in 2006, I tore my ACL. At that point, I was 24. Um and I had to take that whole season off to have that the meniscus and the ACL repaired. And then after that season, I just started training with um, some friends and my husband, and we were doing a lot of long training. And it, they kind of just said, why don't you do Ironman this year? Yeah. And at that point, you could still sign up for Ironman a few months ahead of time. And so yeah. I did. And I did the 2007 uh, Ironman Lake Placid. And Again, instantly loved it, and that was the distance that I wanted to keep doing. So, been doing Ironman since then. So, it was the the, the lure of the Olympics? You know, given you're a reasonable swimmer and and a great runner, um, was the lure of the Olympics there for you or not? It was a little bit. I mean, it definitely. You know, I think 
a lot of kids grow up, you watch the Olympics and it's just like, wow, that would be amazing to be able to do that. And so that was, that was there, but I think the Ironman, the, the Hawaii Ironman, the world championship, seeing footage of that and seeing the women just battle it out, you know, um, a, a number of different images come to mind, uh, you know, Julie Moss and then also, um, Wendy Ingram and, and Sean Welch, those kinds of just, Mm. putting it all out mm. there kind of th- I don't know why that seemed appealing but yeah. it did yeah um and just inspiring you cool. know and so it just I think that that had a little bit more of a draw than the Olympics not that I would ever turn down an opportunity to compete at the Olympics but yeah. there was something just a little bit more that had my attention a little bit more I would say was there any but was there any talent ID program for you that uh that, that they were trying to pull you into the Olympics or not uh, Olympic distance um, programs I there, we definitely had a few of those um, when I was uh, that age, you know, doing mm. the ITU stuff um, in the U.S. We had they were kind of getting those things going, and um, but I was not in the forefront of mm. that group. Um, mm. And you know, the, the a lot of the I would I would probably be second or third group swimmer, right. you know, yeah. in terms of that. So, um, but it, it was a blast doing mm. those races, anyways. Um, I don't think I ever got lapped out, which was always <laughs> nice. a successful day in itself, you know. Yeah. So, um, know yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. One of my objectives for this race over here is to try to s- smoke the run, and if I can do similar to what you do, I'll be pretty bloody happy. Yeah. Um, but we now know the secret to your success, and do you want to share what that secret to your success is? It's the red M and M's. Yes, it, and you got to keep them cold until you're ready to eat them; otherwise, they melt. And, but uh-huh. So I got a big bag of M&M's and I I sat there and I I made sure it was hygienic. I had a spoon, two spoons, separating the red ones out, put them in the fridge, got them out today and they've turned pink. But uh, I'm sure it still tastes all right. still have the the same effect. They're perfect. So a lot of people are going to want to hear about your run because um, we have Marinda Carfrey who's just an absolute stellar runner. But your splits, if you took her out of the equation, uh, right up there in terms of being the fastest uh, females ever run. And yeah. Ironman, especially in Kona. So, um, yeah, so in terms of the runs you've had over here, you had 258 last uh, year, which got you in six. In 2012, 303, which ran you up to ninth. And 2011, 253, yeah. which ran you up to ninth. And, you know, you guys know that that is faster than a lot of the guys run um, yeah. and uh, really <laughs> outrun all but one of the guys last year. And you, you probably had quite a high ranking as well. Yeah. So, how, that, how, how does this compare to, say, a fresh marathon for you in terms of, you know, I often say when I'm coaching athletes, you know, you can get roughly within about 20 minutes or so. So what's a fresh marathon for you looking like? Or do you know? I don't know, actually. I've never done a standalone marathon. Um, mm. From what I hear, it's uh, a standalone marathon is a lot more um, painful the next day <laughs> than, mm. in a, than an Ironman marathon uh, probably because you're going that much faster. So there's that much more impact on the legs, um, in an open marathon. It is something I'm curious about, but not enough to, to take the time away from training for Ironman. So, um, I'm, I'm really not sure actually how it stacks up to an open marathon. Yeah. My halves, you know, I've done a number of open half marathons and a number of 70.3s and those are usually pretty comparable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe a, a couple minutes slower in the, in the hat, in the, uh, 70.3s than in an open half yeah. marathon. So, um, I don't know that I would expect there to be too big a difference yeah. in, in my open marathon, but, um, maybe oh, yeah. someday we'll find out. I don't know. It's bloody <laughs> legendary. I love it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, 
in turn, and also, I guess the other question I had was uh, you had uh, Ironman Nice this year, or, yeah. or, uh, which I thought one one result I was looking at you I think you ran 253 or 252 somewhere yep. so it seems that you can do it in Nice where it's not as hot as Kona so right. does the heat not affect you too much um let's that's a good question um it definitely you know I definitely feel it but I think I come out early I come out at least mm. three weeks early this year we came out three weeks and a couple days early mm-hmm. um so that I, I spend a lot of time getting used to the heat and just acclimating you know um and then we just have some, you know, really good plan going in, know that the heat is going to have an effect and pace accordingly. You know, don't try to pretend that it's not there and just ignore it and see what happens. I don't mm. find, um, I don't think that would be a good tactic. Mm. Uh, but just going in and knowing, knowing that it is going to be hot. And like I said, acclimating to it as best we can and then having plans. You know, mm. what's, what's the plan if it's this hot or if it's not quite as hot, it's a little bit windier, that kind of thing. And just knowing how my body, when my body is reacting, what I can do to counteract what's happening Mm. you know so if i feel like i'm overheating what do i have in my mental toolbox in terms of you know what are the things that we can do Mm. um at the aid stations or whatever it is to to make sure we we get the core temperature down cool yeah um when i've seen you i've only seen you run when i've been on the sidelines once or twice and it's kind of hard when it when it gets a bit a little bit further down the girls field and i know probably when i've seen you you may not have been in the top 10 so i don't don't recognize everybody yeah if i look at um say rinny she's a pretty classical runner you know she's got wonderful technique and um when uh, when i see you you've got more of a choppier style very 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 high cadence yeah is that a a big part of your focus in terms of cadence um and keeping that up incredibly high it's actually not anything that I focus on. I don't spend a lot of time focusing on my run because it is kind of a strength at this point. So I, um, it's actually, it's kind of funny because when I did 2000, when I did Ironman Lake Placid in 2008, there was the video footage and we were watching it. And that's kind of the first time I realized how funny I looked running. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of funny looking. Um, and how short my stride really is because uh, the, the commentators were saying, you know, how choppy it looked and I was running against a, a woman who has a very long stride and so they were commenting on the difference um, and I've, I haven't really done anything to necessarily um, alter or maintain that specific stride just maintaining the run volume and durability over the, the past several years um, but it's not something that I necessarily focus on uh, with that said I think that having that shorter stride does help me so that you know there isn't as much impact with each step and I'm able to um, kind of recover if you will mm. from each stride each mm. step a little bit better than if I had a long stride which Rini doesn't either she doesn't have mm. a very long stride she does have a very like you said classic uh, run style but um I think it just works well for me and so we haven't done anything to alter it mm. yeah and your, your size I'd imagine helps a little bit over here comparing to say a Xena or a Chrissy you guys are uh, a little bit smaller yeah yeah and that's so that makes sense for us to have a, a stride that's a little bit smaller absolutely yeah it, right the shorter leg length is going to make a difference there so, so in terms of mm-hmm. um your run training that you do um yeah. maybe fill us in on, on a typical sort of you know during an Ironman build a typical sort of run week for you um it's pretty basic. There's really uh, a lot of, I do a lot of transition runs. So I do a lot of runs right off of the bike. Um, almost every run that I do, once I'm, once I'm in my final six or seven weeks for Ironman, almost every single run is going to be off of the bike, even my longer runs. Um, I will do s- some interval, interval work, more kind of in the form of hills. Um, mm-hmm. But that's maybe one or two workouts, a lot 
almost every other run is kind of a steady aerobic run, mm-hmm. um, working a lot more on the bike uh, in terms of intensity and then running well off of that. Mm. So there's really not, I know, there's really not a lot of exciting God, workouts. I know, I wish I could give you something that's like, this is the one. I, I yeah. 15 by 1K and I do it <laughs> holding 3 minute 30K pace. Yeah. No, I know, I don't, and I don't really do a lot of speed work yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, like I said, a lot more of it for me is just maintaining and building the durability um, with the bike and then the run off of the bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so last year you ran yourself up to six yeah. with a 258. Um, yeah. How happy were you with your, your race overall last year? I was very happy with it. Um, you know, you always, all of us out here, you know, Ironman athletes in general, period, are pretty much type A athletes. And, mm. you know, there's always something to fix. There's always something better to do. Um, especially athletes when you, when you get out here and, so, you know, my, my initial response was, oh, I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to get just a little bit higher placement. But then mm-hmm. I looked at the race as a whole and I, I'm very happy with it. I, um, you know, I left everything out there. I fought all the way until the, the finish line. Mm-hmm. And um, that's all that I can ask from myself. I, you know, I was, I put in all the training. I put it, took care of all the details in the training. And I feel like I had a very, very good day out there. So, you know, that's, that's really all I can ask from myself. And then I just, you know, just try to accept where it falls it looked you know? uh, uh i i had the stats up you say it looked pretty tight there and sort of yeah fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth yep. it must have been uh, pretty exciting yeah you know, i think you mowed down meredith kessler in the finishing shoot or something like that yeah, or just right, before. right yeah right as we were going into that that was that was a very tight finish um <sighs> and it was you know she had an amazing race as well and it was just yeah just a, a, a very tight finish we came down i was coming down um you know, uh, Polani and then onto Kuwakini and Hualalai there and then made the turn onto Polani and that, I mean, sorry, onto Ali'i. And that's when I actually could first see her. And, um, it's just, yeah, you're kind of in the zone and you're just focusing on really the finish line, but also just trying to get as close as you can to her. And if it happens, it happens. And from luckily for me, mm. I was able to, to kind of just sneak right by right at the end. So that was, you know. So was, I guess you probably couldn't enjoy it. that last 100 meters quite so much. Oh, no, I, 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 never, I never do, it, you know, I get too nervous that there could be someone right behind me, yeah. you know. So I, I, I don't celebrate or get too excited until I have crossed the finish line. I cool. see my family and then we start to think about how it went, you know. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if we look at, you know, your, how your races pan out, you know, you swim, it looks like sometimes you, you make the pack or sort of the main pack and sometimes you're three or four minutes off the pack. Is yep. that sort of usually how it pans out? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's um, usually, right, if I can, if I make that lead pack, um, I'm good to, you know, stay with them throughout. Mm. Um, if I miss it, then I end up usually with the second group and we'll, mm. we'll be, yeah, like you said, two or like three minutes much back. in between. Yeah, there's not, there's yeah. not, especially here, you yeah. know, it's, there. it, it kind of clumps into basically two big clusters and then there'll be, you know, some of the swimmers a little further behind, but yeah. yeah um, but yeah, it's either you make the front group or hopefully, you know, get into the second group and yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously run is, as I've said, it's, it's one of the best, some of the best runs we've ever seen uh, at Ironman racing in terms of the bike. It looks like that's your, your, the area that's that, that holds you back a little bit. Is that something you've been specifically working on um, to, to try to address? Yeah. Um, you know, we've been working on it, pretty much since I started Ironman it's you know in each year if we look at the results it's getting better and better um, and when we look at my power file there you know the average is always just a little bit higher than the year before and I think at this level we can't really expect 
too much. Mm. Um, you know, you, you, you're kind of tweaking and you're looking for one watt here and one watt there and, mm. um, you know, changing your position just a little bit here to get a couple more minutes. So um, over the, you know, this will be my seventh year racing here and over the past six years, it's improved each year. So, nice. um, yeah, it's, it's getting there. It's definitely, it's coming cool. along and we feel really good with it. Yeah. Cool. So this year, um, as I said, you went... Second at Nice in two with a 252 run, which is just awesome. Um, but you're only about it looked like about 40 seconds behind. Did you realise that at the time? Because I know I think Nice is a multi lap run, it so is, it's yeah. quite hard to tell. Yeah, no, I, I definitely knew where I was. Um, yeah. yeah, it is the it is four loops. Um, yeah, and we both again just had we both had great races and um. Tina was able to hold on just a, a little bit longer than I wanted her to. Yeah, and, um, yeah. You know, we were both pushing as hard as we could all the way through that final that final lap. It's four laps, and it's four straight out and back laps. So you yeah. see each other a whole bunch of times. Um, and, yeah, we both – I mean, I felt strong, and I was pushing as hard as I could, and she just felt a little bit stronger she, on the day, you know. so She would have been getting yeah. pretty nervous, I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about uh, other events you've had this year? Um, other than that, I did uh, a bunch of 70.3s. I did a few in the, the spring. I started out the spring with three or four. Um, I did Monterey down in Mexico, uh, did California, did Florida. Um, I feel like there was, oh, Eagle Man. Mm -hmm. And then I also did Steelhead this, this summer. Um, so yeah, and, and did pretty well, uh, pretty happy with them overall in this, the spring. It was kind of a nice build up. Um, I got, I ended up winning Florida and then second at Eagle Man. So that was kind of a nice lead up to Nice mm. and then was able to win uh, Steelhead as well. So that was nice. kind of a nice little confidence booster and felt good. It was a nice checkpoint between Nice and here. And um, yeah, it, it felt good. Is your year, when you when you plan your year, um, you know, each time you finish Kona each year, is it all about Kona in terms of your periodization for your year plan? It pretty much is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The past, like I said, six or seven years, that's been the focus. Um, you know, what's going to make the most sense leading into Kona. Mm. Um, obviously, last year and the year before, the in terms of the points that it helped a great mm. deal that I was able to do well here in Kona and earn enough points to put me in a decent position starting out the next season so that mm. we could say, okay, what's going to work best for Kona, not, okay, what's going to work best to qualify for Kona. Yeah. Um, so that's that's definitely been a, a big help, you know, being able to do that. So. And from a sponsor, you know, you're American-based, so you guys get better media coverage and say we, we had Joe Gambles in here and he was saying you know he went to move to the states because he had better opportunities for sponsors so oh, okay. in terms of going and doing Nice I mean or yeah. do sponsors sort of say rather you do sort of American based races or, or yeah. you pretty much got a free reign to do what you want none of my sponsors are really too strict I would mm. say with me in terms of you know um, there was definitely a, a little bit of um, feedback given mm. on the, on the schedule that I chose, but at the same time, they understand that, you know, there, I only have so many opportunities to race and being able to race somewhere like Nice is mm. one of those things that you just, you kind of have to take advantage of when you can. And it was a, yeah. a good year for us to go do it. And we were able to, to race Nice and then take the next week and a half, two weeks and explore France and Italy. And that is yeah. just something I've wanted to do for so long. And it was amazing. So cool. they're pretty supportive of that in general. Um, cool. yeah. And outside of your, your racing, you do coaching as well? I do, yep. I coach a handful of athletes. I don't coach mm. too many just because I, I do, you know, I, 
I know where my focus is. I know mm-hmm. that I, I spend a lot of physical and mental energy on triathlon and, and my racing. So um, I, I don't take on very many athletes because I want the, the, the athletes that I do coach, I want to be able to give them the quality that they're looking for mm-hmm. um, and that they deserve. So, uh, but it is, it's a nice, it's a nice way to kind of give back to the sport in a way. Yeah. And it's not that I'm not getting paid for it. You know, I'm not yeah. volunteering the coaching, but it's, it's nice to be able to share the, the knowledge that we that I've gained over the years and, and just kind of the experiences that I've had, for, especially for um, some of the younger athletes that I coach where they're just, you know, they're maybe at their first or second Ironman and they're still, they're learning. It's it's nice to be able to give them some of that knowledge without them having to learn it on their own type of thing yeah. through their own experiences. So tell us a bit about the, the company because it's, um, I think Lindsay Corbin's Yep. with your group as well now. Yeah, she is. Of, yeah, yeah, Lindsay just joined uh, um, our team this year. Uh, we work, Jesse Kropelnicki is our coach. QT2 is the team. Um, and we do, we have a handful of, actually more than a handful of pros at this point. I'm not quite sure how many altogether. Um, but yeah, Jesse is the kind of the head coach of the team and he started that, I want to say it was 2006 or 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started coaching I started working with him as my coach in 2007 before my first Ironman. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then I started coaching alongside him, you know, working with my own athletes around the end of 2007 as well. So, um, yeah. And so for you, is it, is it quite scientific based in terms of power, pace and all that sort of stuff? It is. It's very scientific based. Jesse's an engineer, so he's kind of got that mentality. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, I'm a former math teacher, so I, I like numbers too. Cool. Um, it's just, yeah, and it's nice. I, I do like data. I'm, I'm, I'm big on data. But at the same time, we do, you know, we, we do take a look at the, the mental side of things and um, how everything ties together, not necessarily just by the numbers, but how, you know, how you're able to recover from specific workouts and what, how, what kind of shape you're, you're going to be going into the next workout and things like that. So mm-hmm. it is a lot of numbers, you know, it, it is very data driven, mm-hmm. um, but not to the point that we're not focused on the, the fact that there are other things outside the numbers as well that nice. play a role. So yeah. if people want to, um, follow you what's the what's the best way of following you probably twitter um to be honest i'm not great with facebook i I do try to get on there once in a while but twitter's probably the best and that does feed into my facebook Mm. page but it would be kate which is Mm c-a-i-t underscore snow like the weather so (laughs) yeah just like that yeah um and that's that's probably the best place to follow me yeah Cool. Yeah. And anything else you want to share in terms of any sponsors or anything you're doing or anything you're looking to promote um, I mean, I could run down my sponsors. I don't know if that's kind of cheap plugs, but um, I, I actually, I should say, I just got my new QR, the PR6. I yeah. got that a couple weeks before I came out and I was a little anxious because it's a new bike and I always get anxious when I, you yeah. know, anxiety with change kind of thing. But we got it dialed in and I am so excited to race on this bike. I've been riding it for the past four or five weeks now and it's just, everything's clicking with it, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, it's glass. So, it's glass. No, I knocked on the wooden frame of the table. There's wooden wood under here. I don't even try. Ba- bamboo. Bam- bamboo is a type of wood, isn't it? <laughs> no, Close just. enough. Um, <laughs> so I'm psyched about that. Um, I, I just started working with Asics this year, and they are an unbelievable. You know, they're so supportive. Rudy Project, Power Bar, yeah. um, QT2 Systems, Fuel Belt. Um, I, I know I'm going to miss someone. Yeah, Shimano. Family in the background. You, you get blamed if she misses anybody. I know. I know I'm forgetting someone. To, and, and yeah, and then my kit is two times you does my kit, and I love it. Not only because it's really pretty, I think, yeah. but it's also, 
I honestly, I race in it and there's like, I don't have any chafing and that's kind of yes. weird to do a full Ironman and not have any kind of chafing or, you know, kit issues, mm -hmm. especially when you do a race like Nice or Hawaii where it's saltwater swim, mm. you tend to have issues after for the next day or two <laughs> if, the, mm. if the kit's not perfect. And again, knock on wood, I've had a lot of luck with, with, um, with the two times you kits and they're, like I said, they're really pretty too. I like them. So nice. Uh, yeah. It's, um, is there much value in you? I think you were first American last year. I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is, is there, yeah. Is there much, it was value, close. <laughs> much value in that in terms of uh, going to sponsors and stuff, being the first female pro American? You probably have to ask my agent, Wendy, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wendy Ingram over at yeah. PCH, because um, she handles all that stuff because I'm just not yeah. good with it. But um, I'm, I'm sure there's some value to it. I'm sure you know yeah. it's nice to be able to say she was the top American. Um, for me, it's... It's awesome. Yeah, that, that's that's a great stat, but it's really kind of, you know, you're going to beat as many people in general as yeah. you can. So where they come from isn't quite as important, but um, yeah. yeah, I guess it's kind of nice to be able to say that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've got to say, I'm in awe of your run um, and I'm looking <laughs> forward to seeing how we all go out there. Um, but I think it's awesome that you girls are just spanking a lot of the guys it's great and uh yeah. i wouldn't be happy if i was a pro guy so have a great race out there at the weekend Thank and so uh, we look forward to seeing that uh pumping little stride coming along the Queen <laughs> yeah. somewhere. thank you thank no you worries. so much it's fun it's <laughs> the so last time i'm gonna ask it yeah what was interesting about that we had, the, we had the full family here well they brought the family over. i had sister and mum over there and mum goes to every single race that she does remember we did freddie van Leer before he, he was the star we went yeah. around and the whole family was there when yeah remember that yeah yeah, yeah. got me a can of coke we, we, saw, that. we saw freddie van Leer today it was uh, i was actually biking out to the airport to pick up bevan and we pulled up at a set of lights and we had a few of the, the team doing the little taper camp here we had dave fish and and a few others in oh, there racing Yep, he is. Oh, good yep. stuff. And, uh, and <laughs> I was standing there, and I said to the guys, right, we get the next set of lights. I'm starting my intervals. I'm doing eight by one minute, um, reasonably hard, you know, sort of around about FTP and a minute and a half recovery. And I was just about to kick off from the lights, and Freddie Van Leer pulls up, and I'm sure it must have been his dad on the motorbike, um, motor-pacing him because he looked exactly like him. And I, I really wanted to start straight into my interval, but I would have looked like a complete tool if I just gassed past him. So we gave him, gave him about thirty seconds head start, and I still was just about to catch him. I thought, no, just button off. You look like a dick. Now's um, not the time. But I was going bloody fast. I don't know. I don't know what sort of effort he was doing, but I was going, you know over 300 watts and I was slowly catching him and uh, he just looked like he was out for a dawdle doesn't that break your heart yes. you know like I remember one time I was doing hill rips you know, back in the day I was a pretty good hill rider mm. and uh, I remember Hayden Rolson just <laughs> like, like I was like I was in slow motion mm. and I was blitzing myself and you know back in those days you know on the hills and crush I was one of the faster guys around mm. And it was like, it was just like five steps above and he was effortless. And, oh, it just broke, morally killed me. Because <laughs> deep down you kind of think, oh, maybe I could keep it with this guy for a bit and then boom, boom, out of there. Yep. So, no, uh, Caitlin Snow, awesome chick and loves her red M&Ms, was stoked to have those on hand. Why red? Did you ask that? Did we ask red? I don't know why red. What was it? No. It was, it was red, but I can't because remember Because there's no different flavours in M&Ms. It's no. not like the, the, the candy colour makes a difference. No. Wow, she, she's suspicious, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 She wears her favourite undies on race day. Probably yeah. shouldn't say that, but get away. No. No. Who wears undies on race day? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Do you? No. <laughs> Maybe your Speedos? Are your Speedos your undies? We'll say yeah. Ferris. Yeah. Yeah, he wears his undies on race day. Yeah. Ferris does. It's, it's yep. Yeah. He, he lets it all out for everyone to see. There you go. Nice. Good to be here, Bevan. 
you know what John it is Bo like, John Bo John Bo yeah, yeah, yeah. Bo um, it is you know like a, you, you know you come in late <laughs> from New Zealand late last night my bus took forever and all the rest of it but you get off the plane in Kona it's nice temperature yeah it was perfect this morning and you just get mm. off and you know it's just kind of a nice energy and as we drove back into town John and I were going to get this big big kind of gangster car weren't we well, yeah we're going to get this big black Dodge Chrysler, whatever it was, yeah, and uh, Charger it was a Charger, yeah. wasn't it? And we were we were going to pop some caps and some, you know, we were pop some yeah. caps and some asses. Yeah, and well, that's what we we're going to do, and then it wouldn't start. Wouldn't start. <laughs> and so we, we we obviously liked the car a lot because we did contemplate taking it. Yeah, when it did start, and then eventually, it and then we're like, uh, and then I was about to go, and then just didn't want to go. Let's not take that risk. Mm. Um, so Jumbo ended day one, although I haven't really. <laughs> it's kind of my start of day one. We've got to give a bit of love to our sponsors, Endurance yeah, Sport definitely. Travel. Um, so I know a lot of people did Lake Tahoe and will be ex- didn't do Lake Tahoe, I should say. Um, so one of the things this year and every year, Endurance Sport Travel basically book out races um, in terms of they have an allotment of entries. So if you are looking for you know a late season race, I know they've got some spaces for Florida. Um, if you didn't get to race and you're hanging out, um, then get in touch with them. And then again, if you're travelling to any race, it just takes a hassle out of it, you know, they'll basically pick you up at the airport they'll feed you breakfast when you're in Kona um, they'll take the family off to do stuff so you can just focus on your training so it just you know it takes a hassle out of it all and but as I said the, one of the key things is if you've changed your mind about your racing they'll they'll usually have entries and packages where you can get into you know they, they cover a lot of the races these days so um, get in touch with them and always mention that you're with the uh, I Am Talk team and uh They'll look after you. Well, I think the thing that's interesting is, like, Phil and I were just talking about the show, and he was just talking about doing Epic Camp Canada, Canada, and he was just saying how um, one of the great things about camp is you can just think about training. You know mm. what I mean? And and obviously, when you're going to go do a race, especially an important race like an Ironman, you know, you've got to think about how can I remove all the stresses I don't need to think about. Mm. And you know, for people who can kind of have the luxury of using a, something like an endurance sport travel, which is such a great resource. It just takes away a lot of your stress factors, doesn't it? Mm. Especially if you're someone who's not organised, mm. you know, who needs like highlights Even on a piece of paper. Endurance sport travel would not be suitable for you. <laughs> no, no, because no, I'm no, so no. highly organised. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like if, if we think of all the factors that create stress in the race week, you know, by going with endurance sports travel, you're just kind of reducing that. So yeah. come race day, you've got more energy to put into the to actually having a good performance. So Totally. And you uh, often get to meet Ken Glar. I mean, he travels to a lot of the races. And he's a hard-working he is a legend, man, isn't he? And he's racing here again this weekend. Is he really? Yeah. So qualified in New Zealand, got a roll down in New Zealand actually, I think. From so wait a second, so how many corners has he done now? Because he's done like 25, hasn't he? I would have thought so. Phil, what do you think? 25? He'd Kones? be the most, wouldn't he? Surely. Well, he was racing in 88 because Molina was racing then. And he started early because we had him on Legends, didn't we? So he'll be, he'll be getting up to 30, I would have thought. Yeah. I'm pretty sure when I was here in New Zealand, he was 25. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I, I, I will that. say, if you are listening to this show and you're new to I Am Talk, we have a podcast called Legends of Triathlon, and uh, you go to legendsoftriathlon.com. And this month we do a, a really great interview of Tim DeBoom. Mm. Um, really awesome interview. So if you want to check that out, um, go to legendsoftriathlon.com and spread the word about that show as well. Because and Ken Glar is there as well. If you scroll back, I can't remember when we did him. But, uh, early on, yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Ken Glar's in there as well. So John Bo, so then for you, let's look at you now and see everyone else. Um, start, plan of attack for We start to tomorrow. roll down a bit from here. So we've, yeah, we had a... 
big big week so yeah as I said earlier in the start of the show kicked off with a, about a four hour day the first day rode the course the second day um, one thing that's been coming through consistently from everybody who's riding the course is there's been very little wind so when we did it we had a, we had some decent wind right at the very end towards oh, Harvey it's a killer <laughs> I really do like where's the last time we had a killer it's just 10 years happening. it's been yeah. 10 years I hope it's a gale force so yeah. you boys so it hasn't been windy um, and September was record high temperatures um, I haven't found it hotter than usual I mean it's bloody hot but you kind of get used to it once we, we really started to notice after about five days getting acclimatised so today's Tuesday um, so all I've done today is about a 80 minute ride this morning we have a little uh, little swim in my new PZ4TX Tell you what John doesn't leave up to imagination that's all I'm going to say Go on to my, if you want to follow me on Twitter I want to get over a thousand I'm up to 950 I need to get up to a thousand by the weekend um, you can see a picture of me there in the new Blue 70 uh, try uh, swim skin which is apparently extremely fast I'm going to go test that out Nice, it's nice and slimming you know, makes me look smaller which I kind of need right now um, also a bit see through as well so you need to wear ladies that's why you need to wear your undies underneath exactly there you go Phil Ladder there you yeah. go yeah. wear those undies uh, and the, the rest of the week is from here on in is pretty low key you know it's usually two sessions uh, tomorrow is Wednesday we'll do be doing the Aquathon Challenge I'll be officiating in that because Dave Dwan's usually doing the officiating at our training but I'm going to let him uh, go out there and crank it and I'll make sure Bevan's uh, running a three minute K put my calf so I may not be running okay. <laughs> but gutted to be honest so I just kind of thought I could have it this year without, the, um, um, without you being there and I'll just have a little swim tomorrow a little bike run Thursday's a day off and Friday is a short swim bike run and then it's race day so I suppose you know I know that you're not necessarily the most nervous character of all time and you're very kind of process thinking but mm. what, what happens in the mind about now not not really nervous I mean the only thing I don't think I'll get crazy nervous I just get worried about the uncontrollables yeah. there's nothing you can do about it but it's still really hard to not get worried and nervous about that you know punctures I've already had my bike check once so we're getting checked again yeah. um, so that's my concern I've you know the sessions we've done over here have given me more confidence that I can do what I plan to do in terms of power output and pace yeah. um, so no not nervous I'm pretty confident I'll just go out there do my thing I'm not going to be getting sucked into other race plans and um just see what it brings I'm just we've talked Phil and I have talked to a number of people just about coming out of the energy lab and really looking forward to that moment with 10k to go and that's when the the shitty benitty really starts to happen yeah. and just looking well, forward hopefully, to that hopefully moment hopefully it hasn't, yeah. hasn't happened earlier but yeah. and uh, just looking forward to seeing how I handle handle that sort of position that final 10k and hopefully bring it home hard nice Okay, guys, so what's going to be happening over the next few days is we're going to be releasing a show every day up until race day. On race day, we do not release any content, but we do a lot of interviews on race day, which we then release on Sunday US time. Um, that will be released probably Sunday morning. Um, so just keep listening up, spread the word about the shows, let all the people in your communities know what we're out here doing. Uh, next tomorrow, we'll probably have a bit more of the kind of what's out and about. I'll be out there with the mic and some interviews and showing some bit of the experience around Kona, maybe go out to the boat in the morning, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, and then from there uh, we'll get some more interviews out tomorrow over the next few days so spread the word and uh, bring it on I'm Russ I'm Endo train hard train smart kia kaha